More than 40 firefighters attended an incident at a car workshop in Aylesbury last night. Crews from Aylesbury, Waddesdon, Great Missenden, Princes Risborough, High Wycombe and Stokenchurch were called to the fire at Anglo Business Park at around 10 to 7. It broke out in one of the units in a six-unit building in Smeaton Close. The blaze was under control by 8.15 and firefighters finally left the scene at 11pm. The family of a man who died while being arrested by police in Wickham are staging a protest today to press for answers. Ewan Duncan has the details. The friends and family of Habi Bula are due to hold a vigil outside High Wickham Police Station later today as they continue to seek answers about his death. Habib died in August 2008 after an altercation during a routine stop and search on a vehicle in a car park in the town. But an inquest into his death was abandoned two years later. This will be the 12th vigil organised by his family who've also held a march in support of Habib. Thames Valley Police says the case remains with the Independent Police Complaints Commission. Hertfordshire County Councils apologised after personal documents were found outside a former adult care facility. The documents, including a staff appraisal, were discovered at the side of the road in Hatfield this week. Our political reporter Paul Scoynes has the details. The documents appear to come from a former depot owned by the council, but currently being demolished for housing. BBC Three Counties Radio has been told that one of the documents includes a member of staff's appraisal from 2005, detailing personal information about their work and their address. The council says it will investigate and says it thought that the documents had been cleared. This follows an incident in 2011 where the council was found to have breached the Data Protection Act and was rebuked by the Information Commissioner. Finally, rugby and the man tipped to captain the Lions in their decisive test against Australia this weekend, Brian O'Driscoll, has been left out of the 23-man squad. The Welsh forward Alan Wynne-Jones will lead the team instead. The weather today, drizzle at first, but becoming brighter with a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius, that's 72 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. What was... Uh, I was chuckling during your news there, Catherine. Oh, I'm glad to entertain. Yeah, uh, because Paul, the, the, Paul Scoyne's voice was just on the radio there, mm-hmm. but it was a pre-recorded package. He, he used a tape recorder to record it. He's downstairs with me, aren't you, Paul? Hi. And during that bit, I got Paul to mime <laughs> what he... It was like being on Top of the Pops in 1986. He was miming his own report. Was he convincing? No, not at all, but it was very, very entertaining. I've not taken any of your credibility away, have I, Paul? No, it was already gone. Good. By the way, this bit's going to go on for about 1 minute 30 of this time to make coffee in it. Uh, it won't be time to brew it. Okay, that's disappointing. Very disappointing. Very poor show there. Morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. There's something in the air this morning. There's something in the air. I don't know what it is, but there's something. Um, lots coming up on the show this morning that I'm sure you'd like to have your say about, including non-EU citizens could be charged to use the NHS. The idea is part of new plans announced by the government. Well... Maybe we should all have to pay more for the NHS. Later on in the show, I'll be speaking to the family of a man who died in custody in High Wycombe. They're still waiting for answers about his death five years later. We'll also hear uh, what the IPCC is doing about it. And here's a story, page three of the mail. Sainsbury's has apologised to a shopper who was refused service because she was on the phone when she went to the checkout. Well... I don't think they should have apologised. Is it rude to be on the phone when you're in a shop, either as a customer or as a server? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. I think server's the right word. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459... 
555555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Hearts County Council is under fire for losing personal data just a year after it was criticised by the Information Commissioner for doing the same thing. Personal documents, including a member of staff's appraisal, have been found just blowing around on a road in Hatfield. The council is investigating. Political reporter Paul Scoynes has the story. What's happened? Where has all this come from? Well, these papers, Ian... Uh, You've got some there? Yes. That uh, you went and picked up yesterday? No, no, our reporter Sophie went out and looked at them later. Right, thank uh, you. Looked at them earlier. Uh, that one's probably the most interesting, insofar that it has names on it, although nothing of particularly sensitive nature. The, um, the papers were found outside an old warehouse in Hatfield, depots in Hatfield. It was an adult care services depot alongside Mount Pleasant Lane. What's a, what, what is an adult care services depot? What does that mean? Is that people with, with health co- conditions? No, well, or? I think it was the actual, uh, if you imagine, rather than, it wasn't a facility. Right, so there okay. weren't people there, but it was almost like a storage facility. Okay, right, thank you. Um, that is in the process of being demolished. It's been turned into housing. Now, it's believed that these papers sort of fell out of the facility uh, in the demolition process. However, they shouldn't really have been there because the council say that they contracted somebody in, or we don't know, maybe they... What we, I'll come to that statement a bit later on, but what we think is that the council thought they'd been removed. Clearly, they hadn't been. Mm. And what sort of information we found? We've got some documents. There's nothing particularly yeah. revealing there. Okay. There's one there with this a is, name and yeah. This is this is clearly a receipt for adult care services items. It's you know up to around two and a half thousand pounds or so. There's you know blank pieces. I mean they've got a, a compliment slip here. There's a, there's a sort of a blank carers form but here. But more revealing uh, pieces of paper have been discovered, haven't yes. they? Yes, this was all discovered by a uh, Liberal Democrat councillor right. who's on the county council and he uh said that he he was walking down the road saw these for quite a while saw, saw this sort of rubbish in the uh in the in the verge and said well i'm gonna go and have a look at that found what appears and what is indeed somebody's appraisal including their full name and their details so right. all of their work details how they'd done at work and so on their name their manager's name all that sort of thing where they worked um and and that he said is a clear breach of regulations we'll hear from him a bit later on but he he also said that some of the documents here, including care names and various other bits of headed notepaper, could be used in the process of fraud for, by individuals as well. Does uh, this breach the Data Protection Act? Well, certainly the the, the names, you know, the, the appraisal would appear to do that it would if, it, if it's got somebody's name it's got mm. somebody's work history it's got somebody's you know comments about how they work that sort of stuff that's clearly not something you would expect to be in the public domain the information commissioner uh, office told me yesterday that councils have a legal obligation to keep personal information securely uh, and when it's not needed they must dispose of it correctly and confidentially they've got a legal obligation mm. to do that the ICA, uh, ICA also said that they wouldn't normally investigate unless there'd been a complaint complaint made to them, though if they see stories particularly pointing to a breach, they may contact the authority directly. This is Arts County Council we're talking about. It's not the first time they've been found to have broken data protection guidelines, is it? No, that's right. They uh, they were given an undertaking, effectively, they were told off uh, last year by the ICA. They had a, a loss of a folder containing more sensitive data, actually. Primary school visits, including the names of the children, and the council actually hadn't told, or they didn't report to the ICO that that had happened 
happened for eight months. Uh, they didn't take enforcement action because they said that the council officer had taken steps to resolve it. But in that notice, the council was warned to take more care mm. in the way that they look after their physical data uh, and you know to only make sure that hard copy documents were removed from properties when they uh, had to be, if you like. They have the council have uh, been invited onto the program in. They've they've uh, sadly declined. Okay, that's uh, disappointing. They have sent us a, a short statement. Derek Ashley, who's the member for resources, cabinet member for resources, says that in 2009, as part of the move from the site, we made arrangements for the removal and disposal of all of our operational assets as part of a standard site closure procedure. Uh, and we apologise that in this instance, it would appear that not all of this work was successfully carried out. We are investigating how that happened and to ensure it does not happen again. How difficult is it to put bits of paper into a shredder or a furnace? Well, you would. You it's would, an afternoon's work. It is, and and enjoyable at that. But um, it, it would seem that the uh, you know that 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 statement in itself looks interesting because we made arrangements for the removal. Does that mean that they contracted somebody in to do that, or did that mean that the council did it themselves? Uh, it would be interesting to see what happens. Unfortunately, we're not at the moment anyway going to be able to ask the council those questions. Paul Scoyne, thank you very much. And you're right, shredding or burning documents is a lot of fun, isn't it? Very satisfying. 08459 455 555. Coming up, the NHS. People outside of the EU may be asked to pay a little bit of money. Well, should we all pay a little bit more for our NHS? It'd make much sense, wouldn't it? Talk to you after this. The Bee Gees. Oh, that sounds interesting.
BBC Three Counties Radio. There's a cracking story in the newspapers. Customer in a Sainsbury's goes up to the till. She's on the mobile phone, gets all the stuff on the, the counter, as you do. And um, the woman behind the counter just looks at her. Looks at her. And, and the woman on the phone goes, sorry, is there, a, is there a problem? Yeah, I'll serve you when you finish your phone call. It's store policy. Woman says, oh, I'm ter- terribly sorry. I've, I've got to go. Put the phone down. Did the thing. Went to the customer services, and customer services, no, 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 it's not store policy at all. No, 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 that woman was uh, acting on her own. Sainsbury's have sent, since sent this woman an apology and £10 voucher. I don't think they should have done. I don't think there's anything ruder than anybody involved in a transaction in a shop being on their telephone. The, uh, the, the corner shop near where I used to live, not the new one, that guy's excellent, but where I used to always on the telephone, always on the telephone. Wouldn't even look at me sometimes. How rude. The petrol station as well, opposite where I used to live. Always on the phone. Hated it. Hated it. But if I don't want the people serving me on the phone, then I have to respect that. And I can't be on the phone either, can I? Surely, if you're in a shop making a transaction, either as the uh, person serving or as the customer, neither of you should be on the telephone. What, what have you found in the three counties? What, have you been in stores where they've been on the, the telephone? Or maybe you work in a shop and people come in using their phone. Isn't it one of the rudest things around? 81333, start your text 3CR. Don't do it in a shop, that will be out of order. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. So far this morning, all looking rather good. We have no problems on the roads. Everything moving nicely on the M40 and on the M25 through the roadworks section. Cameras are not showing any delays along the M1 or the A1M. And things seem to be moving okay into and out of London on most of the major routes as well. A10 looking clear as you go through Enfield. On the trains, there are no delays. On the tubes, though, we have problems for the Victoria Line. Severe delays. Services recovering from the late finish of engineering work at Seven Sisters. Tickets will still be taken on London buses and Greater Anglia services services for the time being. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 6.16, it's Wednesday the 3rd of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government is planning to start charging some foreigners to use the NHS. The family of a man who died while being arrested by police in Wickham are staging a protest today to press for answers. In sport, Wales' lock Alan Wynne-Jones will captain the Lions in the final rugby test against Australia on Saturday after Brian O'Driscoll was dropped from the squad. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks drizzle at first, eh, then becoming brighter with a top temperature of 22 degrees. Coming up before 6.30, we'll speak to the family of the man who died during his arrest in High Wycombe in 2008. If you want to take part in the show talking about any of the things we're mentioning or anything else, do give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Tomorrow I'm talking to one of the biggest names in music. Mid-year tells us how he nearly became a member of the Sex Pistols. It just didn't make any sense to me at all, you know, so it turned out, it transpired that that band that he was talking about was the Sex Pistols. The phenomenon that was Live Aid and his battle with alcohol. The look in my daughter's eyes was enough to just stop me in my tracks and I stopped at that point. Mid-year talking to me, Nick Coffer, tomorrow from midday here on BBC Three Counties Radio.
So the government is considering um, charging some foreign nationals for using the NHS. Part of me thinks maybe we should all pay a little bit more for the NHS. Well, Dazda, the healthy trucker, uh, says, uh, I'm not paying more for the NHS. Me and my family hardly use the service now. I'm not paying for families that use it but don't work and pay taxes. Well, in my world, disaster, I believe that's your name, if, uh, were you christened that? If I were king, you'd kind of pay at point of service. Like, you know the, uh, when you go to the dentist, NHS dentist? That's not free, is it? You pay for that. You pay for a checkup. Uh, you pay to get a little bit of work done. Not much. It's subsidised, but you pay something. And that's maybe how going to the doctors should work. You pay a, you pay a little something as well, a little top-up fee. When you go to the hospital, you contribute towards it. Don't know. Does that make sense? Would you pay a little bit more for the NHS to make it more efficient? 81333. Start your text 3CR or give me a call. 08459 455555. Now, the family of a man who died during a police search in High Wycombe say they're still waiting for answers five years after his death. They're due to hold a vigil outside the town's police station for Habib Allah. We can talk now to Zia Allah, who is Habib's cousin. Good morning, Zia. Hey, hi, good morning. Zia, what, t- tell me about the circumstances that led to Habib's death. It was a routine stop and search. Uh, during the uh, restraint, five officers tried to restrain Habib Allah and... In the process of that restraint, um, he subsequently died. And where did this restraint take place? Was it in a police station or no, was, it, was it outside? It, it, it was in a private car park. Right. And do we know how, do we know how he died? What is the inquest? Has there been any inquest we, we at all? The inquest. the inquest was some two years um, after the, the death itself. Right. Um, because of the stark revelations, quite surprisingly, that, that were unearthed at the inquest, the inquest um, was forced to be abandoned. Okay, so you've, you've had no answers at all. What have the police said to you? Well, we, uh, if the inquest be a, a point of reference, we've certainly had answers in, in as much as that there were several statements by the police that were doctored and altered, and very much under the guidance of the police solicitors, and also under the guidance both of the police seniors and the police federal... Now, Zia, what you're saying there, that, that's, that's a, a, a big allegation to, to be making. What, what, how, what evidence do you have that these uh, statements were doctored and altered? It came out under oath at the inquest itself by the officers themselves. Right. And did they give any reason why they doctored and altered them um, at this? They were told to and they weren't advised to. When was the inquest abandoned? It was uh, 2010, December 2010. It just, it seems incredible to me, Zia, that, that, that five years later, mm-hmm. you still haven't had a, you know, a, a, a definitive answer as no, to what happened. Indeed. I mean, it, it is incredible, but it's, it, it's no different than perhaps the journey of every other campaign up and down this country. Um, it seems to be a very common practice and a very standard practice. Um, perhaps it's something that's uh, designed to... To, to really try out the patience of, of many a family. Do you, you, you suspect that they're hoping you'll just get bored and, and well, go off and get it? <laughs> well, bored, bored being perhaps the wrong word to use, it, it's, it's really just running out for uh, persistence um, and it's the sheer frustration. It's, you know, you're, you're battling against an institution um, and the various uh, support structures around it are no different than the very institution that you're supposed to be challenging. It, it, it's not a matter of boredom, it's just a matter of a sheer frustration and persistence. What's the last five years been like for you and, and members of your family? Well, um, okay, apart, uh, certainly apart from the, the, the uh, grieving itself, we've had 
uh, as, as I just referenced, we've had uh, various misleading statements that were put out around Habi from the Thames Valley uh, uh, police officers. We've had, uh, both as campaign organisers, you know, we've had warnings issued against us, um, very much sort of so, suggesting that um, the police have agreed with what happened to Habi Buller, and if we as campaigners didn't know any different, the same would same would happen to us. This hang on a second, hang on a second. Are you saying uh, that you have, you've been threatened? Yes, and this was a complaint that's been upheld in 2009 itself. It was a complaint that we then had a written apology from a senior officer who's, who's subsequently now then been removed from high committee he's, he's gone elsewhere okay just, just no name so just I, I know you know that but just well, to, no no uh, it, it, just it, we have to tread carefully to give a, give of course at this stage, although I say at this stage, it's five years down the road. I, yeah, I know. It must be frustrating. Uh, yes. uh, uh, the IPCC are looking into this. Uh, have they had discussions with you since the inquest? The IPCC. Okay. We hold out very little for the IPCC. We, and I'm sure many other families up and down the country, engage with the IPCC because it is the structure that's presented to us. If I can go back, and um, I would certainly advise uh, listeners to do so, if you go onto the BBC iPlayer, please check out the Panorama programme, Watching the Detectives. We were able to unearth a, an email that was sent from the Commissioner to the um, independent investigators on our case, and it was very much about the Commissioner suggesting to the investigators to go very soft on the officer's concern and to go very soft on their investigations. See, I can hear the frustration uh, in, in your voice. Are you confident that you'll you'll get the answers e- that you want, even if you persist with this? Um, yes, it it's a collective um, justice. I think that, I think that's probably the better way of of putting it together, because there's been so many deaths up and down this country, um, because there's been so many campaigns and certainly so many families. It's the collective notion of the families coming together. Um, and we are, we're, we're beginning to unearth practices, not least the, you know, from the start we were told that there's an investigation going on, that investigation trans- uh, t- uh, transpires into the IPCC turning up and being handed um, statements from the officers concerned. The officers have sat around in a room and conferred a single narrative, a single story. That, to me, isn't really an independent investigation. Hence, five years down the road, we are waiting for the CPS now to make a decision on turning this into a criminal investigation. So each of those officers will be independently interviewed, um, and each of those in, uh, officers are looking at independent criminal um, um, allegations upon them. Zia, you're holding uh, a, a vigil outside uh, the yeah. High Wycombe uh, Police Station. What, what do you hope to achieve with that? The, the the essence of the vigil really is 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 just to ensure that. Every chance that we have, um, we're forever profiling exactly what the family's gone through um, and all the bad practice that we're, we've unearthed in, in, in a short period of that, those five years. Zia, thanks very much for coming on this morning. That's uh, Zia Allah, who's uh, Habib's, uh, uh, Habib Allah's cousin, who died five years ago um, during a routine stop and search. Five years later, still haven't got any answers. 
A Thames Valley police spokeswoman said the case is still with the Independent Police Complaints Commission and they're waiting the outcome of its investigation. An IPCC spokesman said the IPCC's reopened investigation into the death of Mr Uller is nearing conclusion. Five Thames Valley police officers have been interviewed under criminal caution as part of the expert investigation. Ex- uh, part of the investigation. Expert restraint opinion around the use of force and medical opinion has been re- revisited in the light of the new information arising from the adjourned inquest. We recently met the family to update them on the progress. Just put yourself in the po- that position of that family. Five years later, you still don't know what happened. You still don't know if, if people are guilty. You don't know anything. How are you supposed to deal with that? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. You can send me a text this morning eight one three double three. Start your text three CR, and you can give. Uh, you can go to the Facebook page. It's getting feisty on the Facebook page. I'm enjoying it. Eight one three double three. Start. Uh, what am I talking about? I'm all over the place this morning. I know. I know. It's only Wednesday. That's a bad sign for the rest of the week if I'm confusing myself by Wednesday. Facebook.com forward slash BBC three CR is of course what I meant to say. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Through Hitch in the A505, roadworks continue around West Hill. They're doing these works through until, well, middle of next week. Verulam Road in St Albans, there's some electricity work at New England Street and you could get caught up in the delays around the closure of Boscombe Road, southbound through Dunstable. It's still shut off between Chiltern Park and the A505 while they upgrade the Luton Road-Boscombe Road junction. That's going to be for another couple of weeks. And Aylesbury Road in Kimble is closed at the minute for roadworks at the junction with Grove Lane. They're hoping to have that one done by Friday. Friday and reopened then. Everything looking pretty decent at the minute on the major routes. We have no delays on the motorways. Everything running nicely on the trains as well. However, on the tubes, severe delays for the Victoria line while the service recovers from the late finish of engineering work at Seven Sisters. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. 6.30, News and Sport now with Catherine. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The government's planning to start charging some foreigners to use the NHS. The government setting out its detailed plans to expand and equip Britain's part-time forces when the Territorial Army is renamed the Army Reserve. And the family of a man who died while being arrested by police in Wickham are staging a protest today to press for answers. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wales second row, Alan Wynne-Jones will captain the British and Irish Lions in the final test against Australia on Saturday after Brian O'Driscoll was dropped completely from the squad. Ian Robertson reports now from Sydney. The Lions' manual for winning a test series has been cast aside. In a high-risk gamble, the Lions have made seven changes, one positional. They won the first test and made five changes. It's all change again. Brian O'Driscoll has been axed altogether. Jamie Roberts replaces him in the team. Manitou Alangi comes onto the bench. Mike Phillips is chosen in place of Ben Youngs, who also drops out of the squad. Conor Murray is on the bench. In the pack, two changes in the front row. In come Alex Corbusiero and Richard Hibbard for Macavunapola and Tom Youngs. And two changes in the back row, Toby Fallatow and Sean O'Brien replace Jamie Heaslip and Sam Warburton. There are ten Welsh players in the team, a record for a Lions test. 
It's men's quarter-finals day at Wimbledon and Andy Murray will be on court at around four o'clock this afternoon to take on Spain's Fernando Vadasco. Here's Jonathan Overend. Almost everything points towards a Murray win. He hasn't dropped a set so far, has an 8-1 winning record over the Spaniard at tour level and knows this is Vadasco's first Wimbledon quarter-final and the only time he's strung this many wins together all year. However, the left-hander can be dangerous. His flashy forehand is up there with some of the game's most devastating weapons and his serve is underrated. If Murray can nullify those threats early, then surely he can look forward to a fifth successive Wimbledon semi-final. An incredible record. Luton Town will find out their conference fixtures for next season later this morning. The announcement's due at 11 o'clock and the Hatters are once again favourites to win the league. Finally, Stevenage striker Michael Thalassis, sorry, Thalassitis. Uh, you can help me with this one. Go on. Thalassitis. Yeah, that's it. Is that him? Yeah, probably. Do you like him? He's, he's brilliant. He's one of my favourites. What sport it's is this? It's a shame. He's joined Ebbsfleet on a season-long loan. Oh, nuts. I've got no idea what you just said. <laughs> he's gone. <sighs> Never mind, eh? Are you gone or have you got more? Thalassitis. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. A little bit of casual racism there, Catherine. It's uh, fine. <clears throat> Xenophobia. Oh. Not racism. I, know, I used to go to school and with a girl wasn't. called Xenophobia. We'll end it here, shall we? Awkward. Silence. Music. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the next 30 minutes, including uh, an army on the cheap. Are we happy with that? And would you pay a little bit more to go and see your doctor? Shouldn't we all contribute a little bit more to the NHS? At the point of service, we do with dentists. So what's the problem of doing it with doctors? 08459 455 555. Oh, I like a bit of Thompson Twins.
Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. There's a cracking story, page three of the mail. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought I'd ever utter that sentence? And yet I find myself doing it several times a week. Sainsbury's girl refuses to serve shopper on a mobile. A Sainsbury's employee decided... Uh, hang on a second. Joe Clark complained to store bosses, she's the customer, that an unidentified worker at Sainsbury's had refused to serve her unless she put her phone down. Sainsbury's has apologised to the 26-year-old property manager, but the confrontation has sparked a lively debate online. The mobile phone incident involving Miss Clark took place at a Sainsbury's uh, last Monday. She said, I was standing at the foot of the till waiting to bag my shopping up, yet the lady on the checkout was just staring at me. When I stopped my conversation and said, is everything okay? She said, I will not check your shopping out until you get off your mobile phone. I ended my call swiftly and said to the lady on the checkout, apologies, I didn't realise it was Sainsbury's policy. She said, well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> Turns out it's not Sainsbury's policy. It was just this woman, uh, this, this uh, cashier, being a little bit mardy. Good for her, I say. Well done. I hate, I hate it when I'm buying things in a shop and the people behind the till are on a mobile phone, and therefore I have to give them the same respect. I can't use a mobile phone when I'm ordering something, buying something. Awful. You know it makes sense. 08459 455 555. Well, our reporter Sophie Soleri is going to put this to the test. Morning, Sophie. Good morning. Now, Sophie, oh, you're on the telephone, which is good. Now, you're in Luton. We don't want to know which shop you're going into, but you're going to go into a shop and try and buy something whilst on the phone. Is that correct? I am. The thing is, yes. uh, that means we have to have a conversation oh. about something completely irrelevant oh. to this show. Okay. Because otherwise they'll know. They'll, 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 they'll bust you. We'll, we'll go, go in. What kind of shop is it? Give us give us that. It's just going to be a newsagent come off licence. You, uh, oh, you say just a newsagent. They're, they're one of the most vital parts of the, the British culture. Sophie, go in. What do you want me to buy? Oh, um, uh, I don't know, like a Twix or something? Oh, okay, no, no, um, buy, a co- um, buy a copy of the Daily Mirror because we don't get that as part of our uh, little <laughs> thing and it's only cheap. So go and get the, Right, in you go. Go on. I've only got a £20 note, but that'll be fine. Oh, look at so, you. Look, BBC, you see. Right, are you in the shop? So, yeah, I said to her, you can't oh. have your nails done that colour. Otherwise, you'll look sick higher. Um, I'll just get some... Uh, the da- uh, Keep talking on the phone. Keep talking on the phone. Don't talk uh, to him. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, uh, I said you can't have that colour. Sophie, is, it, is, he, is, he, giving, is he giving you a funny look? It bad. No, it looks really bad. No, yeah. Sophie, stop talking yeah. about that. Is he, he's yeah. giving you a funny yeah. look? Yeah. Is it a dirty yeah. look? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Start talking okay. louder. No, no, no. Laugh, no. laugh hysterically. Quid red. You can't do it. <laughs> Is he giving uh, you a funny look now? Yes. Ask him yes. if there's a problem. Uh-huh. Sorry. Hi. Um, is, there a, is there a problem? Sorry. Uh, no. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. Don't okay. to hurry so up. I've given... Yeah. Oh, can you... I know it's a 20 bit. Can you... Can you... Sorry, I'm in a rush. Yeah, sorry. Thanks. Yeah, no, I know. Anyway, so I said, no. No, you can't wear pink with red. Are you, you out now? Can't. It looks bad. No. You... Oh, no, it's... Oh no! He's, oh. Okay, okay. How oh, long does no. this take? He's he's saving someone else. I'll just take my I'll just take my twenty back. Yeah. Right. Okay. 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 So what happened there was okay, Sophie, I tried to buy. Sophie's conversations are so boring. This is what she's actually like, dear listener. This is what we have to put up with in the office. I'm talking to you now. I'm out. Oh, here. are you out now? Yeah. What, so what happened? What, he moved my item aside and served somebody else. Really? Because you yeah. were on the phone? Because I was on the phone. Well, also because I looked like a crazy woman. Well, I think. Yeah, there is there is that aspect to it. So, let's just just clarify. You went into news agents. What were you trying to buy? I was trying to buy some chewing gum because he didn't have any papers. Okay. And so it wasn't it didn't it didn't it wasn't a news agent, obviously. I okay. mis- mistook that. Great. And um, it, yeah, so I went skills. in. 
Yes. Tried to get tried to get some chewing gum with a twenty pound note. He was rolling his eyes. He laughed when he sort of he sort of laughed at me when I laughed, and then yep. he moved me aside to serve somebody else. That was really embarrassing. Okay, Sophie, listen. Good work. Good work. Go and uh, investigate more, please. I want to find more. I, I want to find see if any shopkeepers uh, actually say something like this woman in Sainsbury's did. And yes, Sophie Solaria's conversations really are that dull. Honestly, there was no acting from her there. Well, what do you think, dear listener? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We can speak to Annie Shaw now, who's from St Albans, the consumer expert and founder of CashQuestions.com. Annie, what, what do you think about this um, this young lady in Sainsbury's who refused to serve someone who was on their telephone? Morning, Ian. Um, it's all a matter of manners, isn't it? It's all it's all manners. I mean, you, you could hear that interaction with Sophie just then, and obviously we know what happened with this this lady in Sainsbury's. Really, when you're interacting with someone, you should be interacting with them. On, on their own. I mean, you know, to, to involve a third party, the other person on the phone, is very rude. It's the same as sort of te- texting while you're at the dinner table. It, it's an extremely rude thing to do. The problem with mobiles is that we're on, in contact all the time, so 24-7. And if somebody rings you, it's very difficult to know what to do about it. I mean, it, you know, it could be your lawyer about some incredibly important legal case, and you've been trying to get them all day, and they just happen to ring you when you're in the checkout at Sainsbury's, and you feel you've just got to take the call. But if it's, you know, chatting about your nails, then you know, it's incredibly rude to be going through a checkout and just chatting about something like that when you're trying to interact and hand over money. It's also probably very stupid because you're probably not counting your change properly. And then if, if something goes wrong with the transaction, then that's, that's your fault because you weren't, you weren't concentrating on it. Was, but, was the young lady... I mean, it's not Sainsbury's policy, and they've since apologised to this, the, 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 the woman who was affected. But surely that young lady was right not to serve her. If she was just having a little chitty chat, I think she says that her conversation, um, you know, wasn't anything particularly important. I think she did a good thing for human decency by not serving her. she did, but it's probably then also not her job to do that. I mean, because Sainsbury's will is a big organisation and will have a policy. And from what I've read of the... I've just been been looking up the story just now. I mean, the the girl behind the jacket wasn't that polite either. And I think it really is a matter of just being rude. And we are... We're kind of losing the ability to be polite to each other. You know, it happens. I've had it in several shops where the person serving me is on the telephone. Absolutely. And There's I hate that. Worse. Or even, the, you know, the two checkout girls talking to each other about, you know, their date last night or something. And, they, and you're trying to say, well, you know, how much is this cauliflower or something? And it's, that, again, is incredibly rude. And I've been in a hospital where nurses have talked to each other uh, you know, about the business of the day and I'm there, the patient in bed, and you think, hang on, what about me? You know, you're supposed to be with me. And, what and can we do about it, Annie? Are we fighting a losing battle here? Well, we kind of are, aren't we? But I would say those that are standing up for being polite, please do be polite. Be kind to each other. Be, be polite. Uh, and, yes, that, that, that girl who was talking on her phone, she was in the wrong. She shouldn't have been doing it. But, again, it really doesn't help if the other girl, you know, the girl in the checkout is rude back to her because it just kind of make, makes us all a, bit, a little bit, a bit unkinder to each other. But I'd say you know, just, just have a bit of respect for the people you're dealing with. So, th- th- in conclusion, there's, there's not really a lot we can do. We, we can try and make a change ourselves, but there's not a lot else we can do. I think so putting your foot down and, and, and just sort of shouting back. Oh, so Annie, I've, I'm so sorry. I've got to go. I've got a phone call. OK. Do, I do apologise. Thank you. Bye. How rude. How rude. That was Annie Shaw, consumer expert, founder of CashQuestions.com. I'll take this while we get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hang on, just be a sec. No, I've got to do something on the radio. Yeah. 
All right, bye. Adam Glynn, you cheeky little sausage. I'll come over there and slap your legs. <gasps> M25, anti-clockwise. It's building up from Waltham Abbey through to Enfield, so that's as traffic comes into the roadworks section. It's also looking slow between the M1 and Kings Langley, Junction 21 and 20. And the A1 already getting busy in Boreham Wood, southbound between Stirling Corner and Apex Corner. Speed Centre's not showing any other delays yet today, though. M1 is running fine. So's the A1M and the M40. On the trains, we have no major issues reported. However, on the tubes, Victoria Line has severe delays as the service recovers from the late finish of engineering work at Seven Sisters. Tickets being taken on buses and Greater Anglia services there. And the Piccadilly Line has severe delays between Acton Town and Uxbridge because of a signal failure at Ealing Common. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, the next call you'll be getting, Glenn, will be from your agent saying you're fired. Right, 6.46. It's uh, Wednesday, the 3rd of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government is planning to start charging some foreigners to use the NHS. The family of a man who died during a routine stop and search in Wickham are staging a protest today to press for answers five years on. In sport, it's men's quarterfinals day at Wimbledon. Andy Murray will play Spain's Fernando Vadasco at four. He's the gentleman who's in a lot of the newspapers this morning without any clothes on. He's got horrible muscular buttocks. Don't like that. Coming up, under proposals to increase the size of the part-time forces reservists, uh, what, uh, will increase from 19,000 to 30,000 by 2018 and get £40 million of new kit. Critics have called it an army on the cheap. Well, before seven, we'll hear the views of Milton Keynes North MP Mark Lancaster. But before that, let's get the weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. We've had some very useful rain overnight. Usually it was overnight and most of us are starting the day dry now. Plenty of cloud around but we will see some hints of brightness as the day goes on. It's also going to stay dry and I think by the end of the day we'll have some really quite decent spells of sunshine. Temperatures getting up to around 20 or 21 degrees Celsius but it is going to be feeling quite humid throughout the day today. Overnight, some clear sky for a time but the next batch of cloud comes in during the early hours of the morning introducing again a little bit of drizzle here and there. Temperatures 12 to 14 degrees Celsius, no lower. And we'll start with that cloud first thing tomorrow morning. In fact, there could be a little bit more around in the afternoon as well with one or two light showers possible. But towards the end of the day, the sunshine will come through in full force and we should get highs of 22 or 23 degrees Celsius. Once again, a quite humid feel to things, but it will feel a little bit fresher as we go through the day on Friday. Nonetheless, we've got beautiful blue skies once again and highs of about 22 or 23 for Friday. Over the weekend, we'll be... increasing in temperature loads of sunshine and highs above the mid-20s in fact some places could be hitting 27 or 28 degrees celsius would you believe summer is here thank you very much wendy
shaky handwriting. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up, we'll be asking, should we all pay a little bit more towards the NHS? Makes it more efficient. We do with the dentists, why not with doctors and hospitals? Not a lot, just, you know, 15 quid to go and visit your doctor. But before that, reservists will get £40 million of new kit and extra overseas training opportunities under proposals to increase the size of the part-time forces from 19,000 to 30,000 by 2018. A white paper published today will set out financial incentives for small firms employing reservists. Critics have labelled the strategy an attempt to create an army on the cheap. Well, under plans set out in 2010, the size of the regular army will be cut by 20,000 down to 82,000 by 2020. The MP for Milton Keynes North, a member of the Territorial Army, is Mark Lancaster. He joins me now. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Is this creating an army on the cheap, do you think? Well, I think given that the government are committing, I think, £1.5 billion to make sure that the Army Reserve, as it will be called, um, is properly funded uh, and has the proper kit, I don't think we're doing anything on the cheap, no. But we are reducing the number of, in inverted commas, real soldiers significantly. It seems odd to be investing in reservists, doesn't it? Well, I think probably, I think the 32 reservists who have died on operational service over the last uh, few years in Afghanistan would probably object to you suggesting that they are not real soldiers. It was um, inverted commas, Mark. It was, it was uh, uh, use of language. You know that. Play fair. Well, forgive me, I'm just repeating your words, but I think when, um, I think when a reservists go on operational service, and from my experience of doing the same, it's very difficult to actually tell who's a reservist and who's a regular soldier. How much training do, have, do reservists have compared to um, regular soldiers, if you're more comfortable with that? Well, it depends. Um, it depends on their speciality, and I think one of the points here is that, for example, I was trained as a bomb disposal officer, so I have specialist training in that field, and in that particular field, um, you know, we are we are very good, um, but you don't have the, the complete range of skills um, that a regular uh, soldier would have. But if you go on operational... So they, they, are, lacking, they are lacking s- several skills that regular soldiers have, so that no, does... You do, no, you, as a specialist, you simply specialise in one area. So well, you, you just, sorry, I was just using Using the so words you used, you Mark, you said they didn't have the complete so set of skills. So that you don't... Just so using the rule, words you said. So as a rule engineer, for example, if, right. I'm a bomb, if I'm a bomb disposal officer, I will specialise in being bomb disposal, but I okay. won't necessarily then also go and build bridges. But to answer your question directly, if a reservist is mobilised to go yes. on operational service, they will have a full package of pre-mobilised... Um, so they, they will have exactly the same skills as a regular soldier? When you go on operational service, yes, absolutely. Then why are we cutting 20,000 soldiers down to the almost significant figure of 80,000? Why are we doing that? To save money, surely? No, we're doing that because there's a recognition that uh, the skill sets within um, the army, there are certain skills, for example, let's say uh, a doctor or a medical officer, which you only really need um, when you go on when you go to war. So a peacetime army that is not mobilised doesn't need the same number of, of specialists. So do you agree with this? Not. Do you agree with this cutting down the, the services by twenty thousand? I think I agree entirely with that. We have to have an army that's fit for the threats that we um, face. There'll today. be lots of regular soldiers, Mark, who are offended by you thinking it's okay to cut twenty thousand soldiers' jobs. Well, I think we've had three trances of redundancy, and I think in the last trance, um, 87% of people who are being made redundant are volunteered for redundancy. What about the next 20,000 by 2020? How many of them are going to volunteer? No, no I, think, I think that's already been... Right, those, okay. Those figures, those so figures we don't, we don't need them? Tree. We don't need them. And, and regular soldiers won't find that offensive? 
I think what we're saying is that we are simply rebalancing the army to make sure that it's fit, fit for the sorts of things that we expect to so be done the, over the, the next... the 20,000 people who'll be losing their jobs, they're not fit for the, the purposes? I'm getting confused, Mark. Well, I don't know why you're getting confused. Because you're I not being very clear, that's why. The, the 20,000 that we're losing, they're not fit for the purpose. No, I think what we're saying is that we have to sort of try, uh, you know, and cut our cloth, don't we? So we are now having a... Um, a, a so it is not, financial. No, it's not. Well, you've just used not. the phrase "cut our cloth," which means we have to save money. So it is financial. Well, certainly the government, in, certainly the government inherited a twenty-three billion deficit. Defense, Mark, yes. you've been in government for about three years now. It, it does time you when you keep blaming it back three years ago. Uh, you, uh, it is to cut our cloth, is it? It's to save money. One of the factors about rebalancing the army, well, the primary factor to rebalance the army is to make sure that it's fit for purpose for what we're trying to do uh, as we move forward, OK? I'm yes, just confused are, by your yes, use of yes, the phrase to are, cut our costs. Of course there's financial constraints. There's right, financial, thank you. There's financial constraints across the whole, the whole of government. I mean, OK, so it's part of it is to save money. That's all I was asking. Well, I think the principal point why we're trying to do this is simply to uh, make sure that the army's fit for role in the future. OK, and, and part of that is to save money. Well, there are financial constraints. OK, so there will be uh, regular soldiers. Uh, so, so it is an army on the cheap then, isn't it? If it's a cheaper option, if it's a cheaper option, Mark, to have reservists rather than regular soldiers, then it, it, it is an army on the cheap. No, I don't think it's an army on the cheap at all. In fact, there are some people who argue that actually through the process of mobilisation of reserves, uh, they can end up being more expensive. It's not an argument I agree with, but there are some who, who say that. So actually, you know, the financial constraints have been secondary to trying to sort out and make sure that we have an army that has the right set of skills um, across its breadth to meet the operations that we may face in the future. And uh, people who are not in the army full-time, who do other jobs, uh, who, who don't have the full training of the regular army uh, they are the right people to defend our nation and our uh, our freedoms around the world no soldier is sent on operational service without the full pre-deployment package meaning that there's no difference between the uh, ability of the reserve on operational service or the regular okay uh, can, can you just say that mark we've got uh, jeffrey's on the line morning jeffrey morning Ian. jeffrey what's what would you like to say well, I just think all that manager's just saying about the army being reduced to uh, a, a, a composite force that's going to be effective given the current situation in the world is just hogwash. It's just basically hogwash. All the, all the government, the government is slicing away at the easiest aspects of um, cutting government expenditure, which is the military, which will always take orders, always obey, and always do what, what is right. Where, whereas it won't cut a massive over-expenditure on social services because it, it won't win elections that way. Mark, what do you think about that? Well, I think if uh, the gentleman on the phone looks at actually what is being done when it comes to cutting the cost of social services, he'll be, uh, he'll be impressed with what the government's doing. Uh, but I don't recognise that the sole driver of what's happening over uh, the, re the rebalancing of the armed forces is purely financial. It's not. But it is definitely part of it, as you, you admitted earlier on. Well, I certainly admitted that we inherited a twenty-three billion pounds. You also admitted, yes, Mark, which is now Mark, the first time, Mark. which now for the first time, defence has actually got a balanced budget. The coalition has been in uh, power for for three years. According to George Osborne, most of it should have been sorted out by now. He's failed. You can't keep blaming it on Labour. Listen, you admitted yourself I'm the not part of this. On well, you you, you keep bringing saying. up this this thing that you've inherited. You've been in power for three years. You've admitted yourself part of this is, is to save money. Well, I, we've made it absolutely clear that uh, for the first time in three years, the defence budget is balanced, yes. OK, Mark, thank you very much indeed. That's Mark Lancaster, MP for Milton Keynes North. Well, what do you think? Is it an army on the cheap? Mark seems to disagree. 
08459 455 555. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. BB. Oh, we don't want that. We want uh, a little bit of this. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Start the M25. Heavy traffic starting back in Essex now at the M11, Junction 27, coming round to the A10 Enfield and then through the roadworks. It's also slow anti-clockwise from the M1 to Kings Langley, Junction 20. And then it's quite busy from Maple Cross to the M40 now, traffic building up around there. A1 into London, Boreham Wood, southbound, looking slow from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. Great Cambridge Road in Hoddesdon. You've got roadworks down the A1170 as you come down to the junction with the A10 at the New River Arms roundabout. The A40 in Beaconsfield works between Lakes Lane and Piebush Lane. And on the tubes, Victoria Line, severe delays. Service recovering from late finish of engineering work at Seven Sisters. You've also got delays for the Piccadilly Line, Acton Town to Uxbridge because of a signal failure. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. It's nice to have a bit of feist on the air before seven, isn't it? It's what <clears throat> keeps us alive, keeps us breathing. Right, coming up in the next hour of the show, your views on the reservists, an army on the cheap, or is that a little bit unfair? All of that and more after the news with Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven o'clock, the headlines. Government plans health tourism crackdown. Family demands answers in Wickham and a £5 million refurb for Luton Town Hall. BBC Three Counties Radio. The government is planning to start charging some foreigners to use the NHS. Robin Brandt has the details. The National Health Service is free at the point of delivery, no matter who you are or where you come from. Foreigners are entitled to various treatments, including emergency care and treatment for diseases like HIV and TB. Little is known about exact costs, but the Department of Health reckons it's at least £30 million a year for the NHS in England. So it's looking at a new charge of at least £200 for visitors who come for more than six months. It's also considering ending free access to GPs for foreigners staying less than six months. The family of a man who died during a routine stop and search in Wickham is staging a protest today to press for answers. Habib Ullah died in August 2008 after being restrained by officers in a private car park. His cousin Zia Ullah isn't convinced by the official account of what happened. You know, from the start we were told that there's an investigation going on. That investigation trans- uh, transpires into the RPCC turning up and being handed um, statements from the officers concerned. The officers have sat around in a room and conferred a single narrative, a single story. That, to me, isn't really an independent investigation. Energy companies could be fined if they don't clamp down on electricity theft under proposals being put forward by the regulator Ofgem. It's estimated that £200 million worth of electricity is stolen in Britain every year, adding £7 to each customer's yearly bill. £5 million will be spent refurbishing Luton's town hall. Design fees and consultant costs will come to over half a million pounds. Tony Fisher has more. The refurbishment of the Town Hall Extension Building will allow its capacity to increase from 300 to 500 staff. Two external council offices, Unity House and Wesley House, will be made vacant before January 2015. The council says it'll save over £1 million a year on rent and running costs as a result. 
Hertfordshire County Council has apologised after personal documents were discarded outside a former adult care facility. The documents, including a staff appraisal, were discovered on the side of the road in Hatfield this week. More than £800,000 is to be spent on a new learning and discovery centre at Stowe in Buckinghamshire. The gardens at Stowe are run by the National Trust, while there's a public school based in the main house. The grants from the Heritage Lottery Fund will help pay for the conservation of the old servants' hall and cellar and the creation of two new jobs. It's men quarter finals day at Wimbledon and Andy Murray will play Spain's Fernando Vadasco on centre court at four o'clock. Murray has a perfect record so far this fortnight, winning eight of the nine previous matches against Vadasco, who's currently ranked 54th. The weather drizzle at first, but becoming brighter with a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius. That's 72 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Wednesday. It's the 3rd of July already. We were doing closed schools because of the snow just a couple of weeks ago, weren't we? Weren't we? Lots coming up in the next hour of the show. As always, keen to get your thoughts on some of these. Non-EU citizens could be charged to use the NHS. The idea is part of new plans announced by the government. Well, shouldn't we all have to pay a little bit more for the NHS? Wouldn't that make sense? Cuts are being made to the regular army, while more money is being funded towards reservists. You heard me talking to Mark Lancaster there. Well, what do you think? Is it an army on the cheap? And Sainsbury's has apologised to a shopper who was refused service because she was on the phone when she went to the checkout. Well, I don't know if they should have apologised. What do you think? Is it rude to be on the phone when you're in a shop? I say definitely. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Hearts County Council is under fire for losing personal data just a year after it was criticised by the Information Commissioner for doing exactly the same thing. Personal documents have been found blowing around on a road next to a demolished council building in Hatfield. Well, our reporter Sophie Soleri has been to see what she could find by the Mount Pleasant depot just off the A414. Debris strewn everywhere. It's under grass, under nettles and in the trees. And much of this debris is paperwork. OK, underneath a bush, I've found a document that has been filled in. It's from the Bedfordshire Adult Care Services. There are people's records inside... And then in here, under this tree, the paper has quite clearly come out of the file as it's been hole-punched at the top. It asks for the NHS number, the national insurance number, the name of the carer or service user. It is empty, but it is definitely an official document. Oh, underneath some ivy now. I've just picked up another piece of paper from a file. It asks for invoice details, staff expenses, and columns and columns for text. Again, not filled in, but very clearly official documentation. Well, Lib Dem County Councillor Paul Zukowski found the documents blowing in the street. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining us. How did you find them? Uh, well, it's quite simple, really. I, the Mount Pleasant Depot is on the route to school that I, I walk to my children to school. 
Um, so, I'm walking along in the morning, um, look down, there's documents from HCC. And what kind of things did you find? Uh, there was a range of, of things. Uh, blank uh, care assessment forms, uh, compliment slips with, you know, HCC logos and name and, uh, you know, directors' names on. Um, and uh, the final one that was... Uh, that clearly sort of tipped um, the issue issue for me was a, a staff appraisal form um, front sheet uh, with a staff member's name, uh, personnel number, and, and so on. Uh, and, and of course, the, the blank bits of paper. The first thought you might think, well, there's, there's nothing really too important about that. But I've, I've got some here. Of course, it could be used to defraud people, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, the, the compliment slips uh, are HCC branded with HCC logos. Yeah, I've got one here with, with the director's name on and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it, it could be used if you if you think think about it. Um, with you know an elderly person to, to suggest that the person at their door is is um, is legitimately from the county council. What's your reaction to this, Paul? Uh, I'm I'm not happy. I'm not impressed. Um, it, it would appear um, that the the practices that HCC were criticised for some time ago um, didn't. They were criticised, as I understand it, for um, issues around electronic data security. Um, it would seem that that stretched to, to paper uh, data security as well. Now, um, executive member um, that's responsible for this area has said that you know they they put structures in place to clear the site and that clearly those hadn't worked um but the, the the question is what structures were in place why didn't they work how are we going to change things to make sure that this doesn't happen again i can't when this was mentioned yesterday i can't understand paul how this could have happened how well it's an afternoon's work but you, you get a furnace going or you get a shredder and you, you you put them in one of those it's easy isn't it you'd think Yes. But apparently uh, not. <laughs> but uh, apparently not. I mean, I, the, the site was such a, a sensitive, had such sensitive information in it. It was adult care services. So it was dealing with vulnerable people who needed, uh, you know, support, care, um, it, with people with disabilities. And, and it would have had in the, uh, in the building information about their, their health needs. Their care, their care packages, uh, you know, incredibly sensitive information. My attitude is that what they should have done was take a blanket policy when they moved out and said, right, <clears throat> we're going to send a bunch of staff in. They're going to clear every single room of every single piece of paper, irrespective of whether it's blank or not. Mm. And, and just take a blanket policy and say, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure this site has nothing on it because it's got had such sensitive information on it. We can't take the chance that something will get left behind. Uh, we've got a statement from uh, Hearts County Council. Derek Ashley, Cabinet Member for Resources, said in 2009, as part of the move from the site, we made arrangements for the removal and disposal of all our operational assets as part of a standard site closure procedure. We apologise that in this instance it would appear that not all of this work was successfully carried out. We're investigating how this happened to ensure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. It's not great, is it? it it's not, no. Uh, and clearly it needs uh, the, the procedures and policies. How they actually do this uh, needs to be uh, scrutinised. What now, happens next, Paul? Do, do, do you take this higher? Do you report this to the Information Commissioner? 
Well, at the minute, I've I've taken the decision that I, I won't do that yet. Um, and there's a, I, Why? There's, a, I think, a really good reason uh, not to do that. Um, the the procedure would be if I reported this to the Information Commissioner, the Information Commissioner would look at it, and he would make a decision as to whether this was a significant breach of the Data Protection Act, which it probably is. He he may find that because it was 2009 and and it was prior to the the previous issue that it was covered in the 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 um slap on the wrist that the HCC got last time yep. um if however he found that it was a separate uh, issue um and decided to um uh, fine the county council effectively me and everybody else listening to this show as a, as a council taxpayer well not everybody listening to this show, uh, council taxpayers in Hertfordshire would be paying the ICO for the mistakes right. of the executive of, you know the, the uh, executive of uh, Hertfordshire County Council so you're not reporting I'm, it to, 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 to save the, the taxpayer a few uh, quid I, I, I feel I would rather have council taxpayers money paying for council ta- paying for council services in Hertfordshire yep. if at all possible however this is serious enough that I, I'm I'm I've got a meeting later on today with the deputy chief executive at which this is on the agenda unless I'm satisfied that the structures and and, and uh, organisation to ensure that this doesn't happen again or in place, then I will take it to the ICO. Paul, well, listen, thank you for bringing it to our attention. Maybe we'll speak to you a little bit later on and find out uh, exactly what does happen in that meeting. That's Lib Dem County Councillor Paul Zukowski, who found the documents just blowing about in a bush. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555. Now, Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt is expected to announce plans to crack down on the so-called health tourism later on. It's thought he'll say foreigners who come to the UK for more than six months should pay at least £200 a year to access NHS treatment. The Department of Health estimates the cost of treating foreigners is at least £30 million a year for the NHS in England alone. But Labour's health spokesman, Jamie Reid, wants more details about how big the problem actually is. It's absolutely essential that any policy in this regard is based upon facts. It's not based upon perceptions or dog whistle policies or assumptions which are proven later not to be true. But it's absolutely the case that this is our national health service. It's not an international health service and it should not be treated as such. The health secretary says he's determined to wipe out abuse in the system. But Dr Amrit Kaur-Rayat, who's a GP, is sceptical that the plan to charge foreigners will actually save save any money. Looking at the figures that the health secretary has released, um, the overall uh, percentage of uh, health tourism um, is, is a very tiny percentage of the overall NHS budget. So I, I'm a bit sceptical as to um, how much you know, we can recoup when we put aside the cost of the administrative costs that, that, that are going to be needed to enforce all of this. The government is also considering ending free access to GPs for those visiting the UK for less than six months. Part of the plans involves family doctors being asked to spot patients who are not entitled to free NHS treatment. Dr Lawrence Buckman from the British Medical Association's GPs Committee has concerns. We're certainly not going to do what ministers appear to want because we can't act 
as uh, the border patrol for the National Health Service. And our staff cannot be put in the front line of this. It's simply not practical to challenge everybody to prove that they're entitled to NHS service. Well, part of the, uh, the, the, a solution would be, wouldn't it, is if we all paid a little bit more. The, health, the National Health Service, as we know, is struggling, OK? If we all had to pay at the point of contact... That would make things easier, make things more clear-cut, fairer. Dave's in Luton. Dave, it makes sense, doesn't it? No, of course it doesn't. Why is that? Well, I don't pay no more. I've been paying... Well, I've stopped paying now because of my pension. Right. But I've been paying from the age of 15. Right. Right, now, when I get to my age of retirement age... I should should have to pay now more... Well, Dave... ...to to the National Health Service. May I ask how old you are, David? 70. Right, okay. In some ways, some people might think you should pay perhaps a little bit more than me, simply because being a bit older, you might need to visit the doctors and the hospitals a bit more than a a fit young 40-year-old like myself. That's just what I was going to say. But hang on, I've been paying it from the age of 15, when I was 15. Okay. Sometimes it went up, majority of times it went up, national health and contributions. Yeah. So why should I have to pay now... After all those years, I paid for my national a tenor, service. A tenner to go and see a doctor. It would stop people going if they don't quite need to go. Uh, and it would just help the system run a bit easier. But hold on. Since it's and you wouldn't miss your appointments, David. I don't miss my appointments. But lots of people do. If they paid a tenner up front, then they wouldn't miss it, would they? Be so more efficient. But the case is, all these people... If you, I, I've never been abroad. If you go abroad, do you have to take a, a, um, an, a health insurance? Right. You do, don't you? Well, it, it, it depends. In the EU, you can have a little card. But yes, point taken, yes. Yeah, but the case is, so why are all these people coming into this country, they should have to pay a, nas- um, a health insurance yeah. to cover them I for agree. two years if they're going to stay agree. I agree. on holiday. Yes, right. they should. But we should pay right. a little bit more as well. We pay for no. dentists. No. Yes. Hold on. What? I've, I've, I've been with a shropodist, I've got, I've got bad feet, and I've got oh. spine problems. Now I've been told that's all coming to an end. I've got to bend over and do my own corns. I've got corns. And I've got to do my own corns to bend over with spinal problems. Dave, oh. listen, we, we, ha- we have to end it there simply for time purposes and simply because you mentioned corns far too much than is healthy on a breakfast show. Dave in Luton thinks we shouldn't pay more. What do you think? 08459 <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heavy traffic on the M25, anti-clockwise. It's looking slow from Waltham Abbey at Junction 26 through to 25 at Enfield as traffic comes into the roadwork section. It's also slow from the M1 to Kings Langley and from Maple Cross to the M40. The A1 is looking like a bit of a queue as you come through Boreham Wood. It's slow southbound from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus on the cameras. The A10 looking pretty busy into London now as well with heavy traffic through Enfield between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. Trains still running without issues but a couple of problems on the tubes. Severe delays for the Piccadilly Line, Acton Town to Uxbridge because of a signal failure at Ealing Common. And the Victoria Line continues to run with severe delays as the service has to recover from the late finish of engineering work at Seven Sisters. Tickets will be accepted on local buses in both instances there. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. I'm thinking of a new feature, How's Your Feats? Uh, And people phone up and they tell us how's their feet. Could be fun, couldn't it? People describing verrucas and and bunions and boils or things like that. Anyone? No. Right, 7.18, a little bit later than usual. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Ministers are announcing proposals to make foreign nationals pay towards the cost of NHS care. The family of a man who died during a routine stop and search in Wickham will stage a protest today to press for answers. In sport, Alan Wynne-Jones will captain the British and Irish Lions in their deciding test match against Australia on Saturday. Brian O'Driscoll doesn't even feature in the squad. In your face, OD! The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Drizzle at first, then becoming brighter, with a top temperature of 22 degrees. Coming up, we'll find out more about the man who died in High Wycombe in 2008 during a routine stop and search by the police. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. We knew Myra. We were brought up with Myra. She lived in the next street to us. She knew Pauline. We were devastated when we found out what they'd done. But there is a way you can hear it all again. So your friend Pauline Reed, she was just 16 when she was murdered by Brady. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. All of our programmes are available for seven days, allowing you to listen to what you missed. bbc.co.uk slash three counties. If you want to give us a call about any of the things we're talking about, including maybe we should all pay a little bit more to use the NHS and also an army on the cheap with the regular army being cut and more funding being put into reservists. Are you slightly concerned? Do you think we have a strong enough defence? 08459 455 555. Now, the family of a man who died during a police search in High Wycombe are still waiting to establish how and why he lost his life five years after he died. The friends and family of Habib Allah are due to hold a vigil outside the town's police station this afternoon as they continue to press for some answers. Well, earlier on in the show, we spoke to Zia Allah, who's Habib's cousin. He told me what happened in 2008. It was a routine stop and search. Uh, during the uh, restraint, five officers tried to restrain Habib Allah, and during the process of that restraint, um, he subsequently died. Five years down the line, Zia says they're waiting for the Crown Prosecution Service to turn this into a criminal investigation. He says it's so frustrating that they still don't have the answers they want. It is incredible, but it's, it, it's no different than perhaps the journey of every other campaign up and down this country. Um, it seems to be a very common practice and a very standard practice. Um, perhaps it's something that's uh, designed to... To, to really try out the patience of, of many a family. Do you, do you suspect that they're hoping you'll just get bored and, and well, go off and get it? <laughs> well, bored, bored being a, perhaps the wrong word to use, it, it's, it's really just running out for uh, persistence um, and it's the sheer frustration. It's, you know, you're, you're battling against an institution um, and the various uh, support structures around it are no different than the very institution that you're supposed to be challenging. It, it, it's not a matter of boredom, it's just a matter of a sheer frustration and persistence. Well, we can speak now to Ken Farrow, who made the documentary Injustice, about high-profile deaths in police custody, and made a film about the Independent Police Complaints Commission called Who Polices the Police? Uh, morning, Ken. Are you surprised the questions surrounding Habibullah's death remain unanswered five years on? Uh, I'm disappointed, but not surprised, given the track record of the IPCC. Why does it take so long to make any progress in this type of case? Um, well, the IPCC would say that um, there are three factors, the family, the police, and the legal system. But, I mean, these are just excuses because we've seen a history of the IPCC failing in lots of cases. 
We've had the IPCC now in operation since 2014, uh, and there have been 827 deaths in police custody in those eight years, and not one single officer has been successfully prosecuted. So that's a terrible track record. And the fact that uh, it takes five years, sometimes six or seven, to investigate what are pretty routine cases of uh, manslaughter, let's say, in some cases, is shocking. Is the IPCC uh, uh, toothless? Because is, am I right in thinking they can't command officers to come and give evidence to them? Well, they now uh, have the authority to compel police right. officers uh, to give evidence, and but that's that's not a reason for not pursuing cases vigorously. Uh, they are a watchdog and they are pretty toothless. Recently, because of the case of Sean Rigg, which had lots of uh, national coverage, there's been uh, a bit of a culling at the IPCC and we're told that they're going to be much more vigorous. But it, it's been eight years since they were uh, put into operation and they, they've really failed miserably. Whether they should be abolished is another question because I don't think we can just keep repeating uh, you know, creating organisations that fail and then another 10 years go by and we have, you know, several hundred more deaths without any justice and another organisation. So we, we, I think this one has got to be made to work. The thing is, in, in this uh, specific case about Habibullah, uh, it, am I right in thinking it has been established that he was, he was carrying uh, a, a small package, possibly drugs, in his mouth? Is that right? Uh, well, we, you know, the CPS haven't actually come to any conclusions in terms of the facts of the case, so I wouldn't want to comment on the, you know, individual case because it's still ongoing and CPS have to decide. But I think whether people carry drugs or not or guns or not it has to be balanced across what the police carry. And the police carry a responsibility to uh, restrain and control prisoners uh, with... Due, uh, due attention. They don't. Uh, 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 it could be significant. You, uh, can I just ask you a question? If he was carrying drugs, would that mean that the police had the right to do what they did to him? Uh, well, I don't know what the police did to him, but, but the reason I mentioned that he could have been trying to swallow drugs is that that could have somehow... Uh, made the situation harder to handle for the police, and that could have possibly it, it contributed could, to his death. It could have. There's a lot of, you know, we can speculate, and uh, we don't know really what happened, and I think it's, it's up to the inquest jury and it's up to the CPS now to actually come to some kind of conclusion. But we have had cases in the past where uh, prisoners have had drugs put on them by the police and actually forced into their mouths, and I can name the, the case of Kebajobi in Camden where that happened and the police officers in that case never got uh, suspended and, and there, was, there was no outcome for the trial. So, but I'm not saying that this happened in this case, obviously, we don't know. No. But what we do know is that uh, a man has died and five years later the family still have got no answers as to what happened. You're going to be attending the vigil today, Kim. Well, what, what do you hope to, uh, to achieve with this? Well, I think um, there are lots of these cases all over the country and I think it's very important that people come down and speak to the family to find out their point of view and to find out the truth as, as they see it because we can't have these cases going on. We've got 800 cases over eight years, so that's over 100 in any given year. So that's two people a week who are dying in police custody. I think that's a shocking figure. 
Mark, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Uh, sorry, Mark, Ken, I apologise. Ken, I uh, appreciate your time uh, this morning. That's Ken Farrow, who uh, made the documentary about the IPCC called Who Polices the Police? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call. We've been talking about possible army cuts this morning, or reservists. We'll get £40 million of new kit and extra overseas uh, training opportunities and proposals to increase the size of the part-time forces for 19,000 to 30,000. Critics have labelled the strategy an attempt to create an army on the cheap. Well, the MP for Milton Keynes North and member of the Territorial Army, Mark Lancaster, spoke to me earlier. He denied suggestions that today's white paper signals an army on the cheap. Well, Geoffrey called in and he had this to say. Well, I just think all that manager is just saying about the army being reduced to uh, a, a, a composite force that's going to be effective given the current situation in the world is just hogwash. It's just basically hogwash. All the, all the government, the government is slicing away at the easiest aspects of um, cutting government expenditure, which is the military, which will always take orders, always obey, and always do what, what is right. Where, whereas it won't cut a massive over-expenditure on social services because it, it won't win elections that way. Mark, what do you think about that? Well, I think if uh, the gentleman on the phone looks at actually what is being done when it comes to cutting the cost of social services, he'll be, uh, he'll be impressed with what the government's doing. Well, Doreen's in Hemel. Good morning, Doreen. Good morning. What do you think, Doreen? An army on the cheap? Uh, yeah, in one way, but I think the, the government is... All it wants to do is cut money from the things that it can cut money from. Yeah. Uh, and the army looks like a... a a peach to be plucked. But the trouble is, the army is a 24... Hang on, let me let the dog out. The army is the, is is the dog out now, Doreen? Sorry? Is the dog out now? Yes, Excellent is. work, well done, good, <laughs> yes. Um, the army is on call 24 hours a day. My husband was in the Air Force, the American Air Force, and, I mean, for the 20 years that he was in, there was a bag packed continually in the cupboard, and within an hour he could be gone for anywhere up to three months to a year. And that would happen today in the British Army and Air Force or whatever. But Mark Lancaster, the the world. Mark Lancaster, I don't know if you heard him, but he seems to think that the reservists, the TA, as, uh, as I know them, um, they've, got, they've got the same skills as regular army. They could go in and do exactly the same job. Uh, for cheaper. Yes, they can. But the the clue is in the name, the reservists. They are reserved there in case something gets out of hand and we have to, you know, call up extra troops, you know, and that is great. You've got to have them on hand. But if you're going to use them instead of the army, what's going to... One of the main reasons that struck me this morning is the economy. What's going to happen to the businesses where these men work normally? They're on call, admitted, to go, you know, to help out with the army. But in other times, they are working and they're doing a job. It's, it's a tough one, isn't it, Dorian? We've got to end it there because we have to go to travel and news. Thank you very much indeed. Do you know what I'd love... <coughs> I don't know that much, excuse me, about the army and the reservists. I'd love to talk to a regular sh- soldier today or a reservist... Mark Lancaster said that the reservists are trained equally as well as uh, regular soldiers. I'm avoiding using the term, in inverted commas, real soldiers, but I think that's how a lot of people feel. If you're a regular soldier, what do you think? Do reservists have the same training? Are they uh, of an equal skill setting as you? I'm sure they're very skilled. Of course they are. 
But if it's not their full-time job, they can't be as skilled as the regular army, can they? Or have I got that completely wrong? 08459 555555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M1 problems this morning northbound. We've had lots of calls on this, thanks to Anthony, John and Chris, among many others. Northbound on the M1, there was an accident. It has now been moved to the hard shoulder. This is between Junction 12 at Flittick and 13 for Bedford. All lanes have reopened because they've got everything involved over to the hard shoulder. There was a car transporter involved. We also had reports of a van facing the wrong way. It's still very, very slow through there, but at least now all lanes are open. Traffic is on the move once again. M25, anti-clockwise, very slow from St Albans to Kings Langley, Junction 21A through to 20, then from Chorleywood round to the M40, Junction 18 to 16. Into London, you've got delays as you come down the A1 through Boreham Wood, Stirling uh, Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. It's really busy as well on the A10 through Enfield from Bullsmore Lane down to Southbury Road. Piccadilly Line Tube now down to minor delays, Acton Town to Uxbridge after a signal failure earlier. However, we've still got severe delays for the Victoria Line because of the late finish of engineering works. Trains, though, are running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 7.31, News and Sport now with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Ministers are announcing proposals to make foreign nationals pay towards the cost of NHS care. The family of a man who died during a routine stop and search in Wickham will stage a protest today to press for answers. And energy companies could be fined if they don't clamp down on electricity theft under proposals being put forward by the regulator Ofgem. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The former British and Irish Lions captain Brian O'Driscoll has been dropped from the squad for Saturday's deciding test match against Australia in Sydney. Wales lock Alan Wynne-Jones will captain the side in the absence of captain Sam Warburton. Coach Warren Gatland has made six changes in all. Jamie Roberts and Alex Corbisiero are fit to return and Gatland admits selection was difficult. Quite a lively meeting that we had with the coaches last night in terms of... Um, going through and making the final selection, it was tough, but uh, you know, we've come up with what we think is a side that's good enough to do the job on Sunday. In tennis, Andy Murray meets Fernando Vadasco in the last eight today at Wimbledon. That match is second on centre court after David Ferrer plays Juan Martín del Potro. On number one court, Novak Djokovic takes on Thomas Burdich, followed by an all-Polish affair between Lukas Kubot and Jerzy Janovic. World number one Djokovic knows Burdich will be tough opposition this afternoon. He's established uh, top ten player. He's uh, a Wimbledon finalist a few years ago. Only time we played on grass, I lost to him in, in semi-finals of 2010. Yeah. So he's, he's a big hitter and he's been playing well. England's cricketers will take a lead of 352 into today's fourth day of their Ashes warm-up game with Essex. Batsman Jonathan Trotz called the decision to reduce the game from first-class status the right one. Trotz said it was a lose-lose situation. In football, Luton Town will find out their conference fixtures for next season later this morning. That announcement's due at 11 o'clock and the Hatters are once again favourites to win the league. And Stevenage striker Michael Thessalitis has joined Ebb's fleet on a season-long loan and that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey, you know how we're all facing cuts, okay? And libraries are being closed and lunch groups are being closed and scouts are having to pay more rent and things like that. Well, Luton Town Hall's getting a nice makeover. Have a guess how much it's going to cost. No, a bit more than that. Bit more than that. 
I'll tell you in about 15 minutes. I, th- I think you may be surprised. Ooh. Now, Andy Murray plays his quarter-final tie against Fernando Vadasco of Spain at Wimbledon today. I wish that man would put some clothes on. The 26-year-old's aiming to become the first British player to lift the men's single trophy since Fred Perry in 1936. Well, Terry Mabbitt is a professional tennis coach from Bedfordshire and joins me now. Morning, Terry. Good morning, Ian. Now, Terry, you coached in Scotland when Murray was a junior. Could you tell when he was a youngster that he had, he had something special about him? Um, without any doubt at all. Um, I think when I was national coach, I wrote a report about him when he was six, saying this is by far the best six-year-old that I've ever seen play tennis because it's not only the way he hit the ball... Is the fact that he could also um, play the game already, and, and lots of people are going to hit balls and kick footballs and this sort of thing. But you've got to have the feel of being able to play the game, and that's what he got from a very early age. Now, every year there's always this expectation. Poor Tim Henman had it, uh, and now Andy Murray's got it. Oh, this is the this could be the year. This is the year. It's a lot of pressure on him, isn't it? Enormous amount, enormous amount, because um, nobody has won it for so long since Fred Perry. And uh, so that makes everyone wanting him to win when, uh, uh, you know, he's at his home grounds, if you like. And uh, so that puts him under even more pressure. And grass isn't his natural um, surface, is it? Well, um, for sure, he would certainly rather play on grass than he would on, on clay. Right. You didn't directly coach him in Scotland, but you put a system in place for coaching and development that he went through. Is that right? Well, that is true, yeah. Well, how um, did that benefit him? Well, I think that um, it meant that um, his individual coach um, got money from the Scottish LTA. Um, it meant that um, the coach is under pressure because they, the, the Andy, when he had lessons, and, and all the other pupils in national squads when they had lessons, had to write a very small report on each lesson to say how well it had gone. So this also helped bring through um, a number of other Scots who've played for Great Britain at Davis Cup in the past few years. You're talking about his brother Jamie, Jamie Baker, Alan Mackin, Colin Fleming, and of course Elena Beltasha, who's, you know, been Great Britain number one lady as well. He, we talk about him being British, but am I right in saying at the age of 15 he went off to Spain to continue his coaching? Well, he did, yeah. And, but what uh, are we lacking over here then, Terry, well, that they've got over on the continent? Certainly in Scotland it was the weather. Yeah. Um, so that certainly helps when you go to Spain. Um, and also, um, perhaps there were, there were more people, if you like, come. There's not only Spanish players there, but there are other players from around the world who go to that camp. He's got quite a pushy mum, isn't he? He's got a, a, a fairly strong mum. Well done. That's a, yes, that. that's a polite way to, to put it. Do, do all the potential uh, top players need uh, a mum like Judy? Well, they need a mum. They either need a tough mum or a tough dad yeah. who is, who is going to spend an enormous amount of time helping them um, in their chosen path and, and, and so reach the top. Whatever it is, whether you want to be a musician or whether you want to be a a sportsman it, it does need somebody who's going to give you the time to take you around and also dare i say spend a lot of money well i was going to say i was going to come in with that it, it, yes you, they've got to spend a lot of time but tennis in particular compared to other sports like football it is it is quite pricey isn't it well it's a lot less pricey than than uh, a lot of people think i think joining tennis clubs um most clubs will charge you less than what it costs a pint of beer to join in a week. So, you know, and juniors probably 
um, pound a week or just a bit over a pound a week to, to join a tennis club. Now, I, I wouldn't have thought that is too expensive. Terry, final question. Uh, this grunting, this shouting and this, oh, oh, all of this nonsense that we get during the tennis. I mean, l- listen to this. This is, oh, for goodness sakes. Do, do we need that, Terry? Well, I, I thought that was you for a moment. No, that, no, that wasn't surprisingly. Although I can make that noise if I'm paid enough. But do we need that? Well, I, I, I don't think so. And I think that um, uh, it does put spectators off. And I think that um, the WLTA really do need to um, stop all this enormous noise, which which some of the players are emitting now. Terry Mowat, I appreciate your time. Professional tennis coach from Bedfordshire. Knew Andy Murray when he was a young lad in Scotland. Saw from the age of six. He had the potential. Isn't that amazing what you can spot uh, in youngsters? 08459 555555. Page three of the mail. Sainsbury's girl refuses to serve shopper on her mobile. Good. Woman wanted to buy some shopping at Sainsbury's, was on her phone at the counter. The, uh, the cashier just looked at her. Is there a problem? Yeah, I'll wait till you finish your phone call before I serve you. Good for her. It's not Sainsbury's official policy. They since apl- uh, apologised to Joe Clark, the customer. I don't think they should have done. I think that one of the worst things in terms of manners uh, is walking into a shop and the ca- the cashier is on the phone. Doesn't even look at me. The, my local corner shop when I used to live in London did, did it and uh, the, the petrol station over the road for me did it all the time. Hated it. Well, if I hate it, then I have to give them the same respect as a customer. Don't I? Lots of you have been having your say on Facebook. We'll look at those uh, in a bit. But we've been sending out Sophie Solaria, our reporter, uh, to investigate this further. Now, Sophie, earlier on you went into a news agent and you were given uh, yeah. you were given short shrift by the gentleman, weren't you? That was so embarrassing. You made me speak so loudly. I didn't know what to talk about. It was awful. This time I'm going into a really full sandwich shop. Excellent. I put, I put my Mac on, yep. my Mac that says don't get embarrassed. Yep. So you can tell me, but let's talk about something more interesting this time. Let's talk, because the last one was a bit boring. It was about nail varnish. Yes. This time we should talk about my mate Nikki. She's having man issues. If I go in Ooh. there talking about that and yeah. try and get served a coffee. Go and go and get a coffee and happens. let's talk about Nikki. Why, go go right. in. What, what's, what's, okay. what's going on with Nikki? So I said to her, she doesn't bring you by Friday. If she doesn't bring you by Friday, that he's just not interested. And yeah. she said, let me just text him one more time. Yeah. Well, she'd already texted him. I'm genuinely really interested here about Nikki. She'd already sent it six times already. <laughs> Are you in there? Are you in there, Sophie? Nikki, you're looking desperate, Nikki. Are you in there, Sophie? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in here now. Yeah, I'm okay. in here now. You're looking desperate. Order a coffee. Order a coffee. Oh. Oh, I've just, I've really, I have, I've, oh God, I'm actually getting shouted at. I've got, I've got to go. I've no, got to go. No, talk louder. Go back in there and talk louder. Okay, wait. Go in there I'm and demand a coffee. There. Excuse, anyway, so then my friend Nikki, can I have a coffee, please? My friend Nikki has basically said she's really not taking it. Tell her it's she's really not, urgent. You need no, a coffee. You're really gasping. Urgent. I need a coffee. I need a coffee. I'm gasping for a coffee. She's just not letting me. Say really it, say it louder and me. say, can you hurry up? I'm on the no. phone. Do it, just say, hurry up, I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. Can you hurry up? I'm on the phone. Now, she's just ignoring me. She's just ignoring Demand me. Demand a coffee, Sophie. I want a coffee. I want a coffee, please. She's, can you get out? She's just told me to get out and leave him. Say, no, I refuse to get out. I'm, I refuse to leave. No, I'm going. <laughs> more fine, I'm going. Oh, my God, that was more <laughs> <laughs> You idiot. No, not, not you, you excellent reporter. So, Sophie, tell, tell me, describe the scene. <laughs> just describe what just happened there. I've just left my bag in there. Oh, go and get it! Go and get it, but keep talking loudly on the phone. I'm taking my bag with me. 
Goodbye. Oh, <laughs> so, so, Sophie, what happened in there? <gasps> well, that's that, isn't it? Yeah, this is excellent. This is an excellent... All of these shopkeepers, by the way, well done. You are doing completely the right thing. So, Sophie, t- tell us what happened. Was it a, a man or a lady behind the counter? It was an Irish lady. You know how scary Irish people are? Uh, well, I don't think you can say that on the radio. Oh. Uh, no. So, Sophie, what, what happened? There's, like, eight different men, builders, bricklayers an old man reading the paper, yep. all having their bacon sandwiches and coffee. Yeah. I go in, I waltz in, yep. I go up to the counter, there's a queue of people, I demand a coffee, you know the rest. Yes. People think I'm crazy. Yeah. And, 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 and did, did, did she actually say get out, or did she, she point to the door? six times, she said, excuse me, can you get off the phone, please? Oh, and I said, well, no, not really, I'm, I'm having a conversation. Yep. She says, no, can you get off the phone, I'm not going to serve you, if you don't get off the She's pretty... Fiery, that lady. Good, good. And can I just say, well, Sophie, thank you very much for that. Can I just say, spot on to that lady. Absolutely perfect. Congratulations. That's what we want. We don't want rude people wandering into shops and telephones. <clears throat> I should apologise to any of our Irish listeners, of course. Sophie, I was a little bit excited there because she didn't get her morning coffee. You, the Irish aren't scary. Not all of you. No, hang on a second. That doesn't help matters at all. No, of course not. She was, uh, she was making a flippant comment. But... But well done to that shopkeeper uh, and the shopkeeper earlier on who refused to serve our reporter, Sophie Solaria, while she was on the telephone. Lots of, uh, lots of you commenting on Facebook. We'll go to those in a second. Karen's in Watford. Good morning, Karen. Morning. You heard what just happened to Sophie. That, that cafe yes. owner was right, wasn't she? Uh, she was, yes. I do, I do have to agree with her. Um, I certainly agree with the shop assistant not, uh, in Sainsbury's not serving. I mean, I don't think she should have said it's store policy because she could easily have got caught out, but she could have politely said, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to serve you while you're on the phone. Um, certainly in, in Sainsbury's and other um, uh, retail shops, they do have a quota of customers they have to get through. And I expect the shop assistant was just thinking, oh, my God, I need to get this one through because I won't get my quota of customers done in a certain time or how however long they get to serve a customer. But I certainly agree, and it, it's happened to me quite a lot as a, as a customer, and I believe it should be both ways. It's just lack of respect, it's rude, it's insulting, as I think you said earlier. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> um, so, it, you know, shop assistants shouldn't be on the phone or talk to their colleagues, and quite equally, customers shouldn't do it either. And, in fact, because it's happened twice to me, I've boycotted two local shops oh. because... You are a woman after my own heart. I am constantly mm. telling my wife, we can't go in that shop anymore. What's mm. happened now, Ian? Well, they gave me a funny look. So good for you. Mm. And did you? I, I even had uh, one, um, the, 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 the assistant, there was two in there. One was serving, one was on the phone to her manager. Well, it sounded like the manager complaining about the lack of staff in the shop. And I'm standing there waiting to be served. Yep. No eye contact, nothing. And I'm not, I must admit, I'm not a complainer. You know, I'd rather go on the radio and complain. Yes, of course. Go to the, the shop because, well, I should have done really, just said, you know, this shop, you know, the assistant was on the phone, it's not good customer um, service. But I just thought, you know, the best way I can do it to sort of show my displeasure is not go in. Well, I mean, and then if other people do it, maybe that might, you know, say something. As Karen well. in Watford, thank you very much for that. Good point. Not a complainer, not to their faces, just on the radio. No, I'm, I'm exactly the same. A couple of, uh, let me pick three Facebook comments uh, at random. Lucy, Lucy says, it goes both ways. I'm sure lots of people have had the displeasure of having a rude person serve them, correct? I hate that. 
John says, I'm a taxi driver. Some passengers get into the taxi on the phone and don't tell me their destinations, just keep on talking. Uh, and uh, one more, Catherine says, I feel we've lost our ability to be tolerant and empathetic. Empathic. Empathe- empathetic? Empathic. Empathic, is that the word? Towards others. Thank you very much indeed. Well, I've learned something. It's not empathetic, it's empathic. 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still delays on the M1 northbound. It's queuing after an accident earlier between Flittick and Bedford, junctions 12 and 13. All lanes have reopened, though, because the vehicles involved are over on the hard shoulder, but you'll still find it very busy. Anti-clockwise on the M25, it's slow from St Albans to Kings Langley. It's also busy from Chorleywood to the M40. Quite a queue through there. Northbound on the M40 for traffic that's coming off the A40 and heading up to the M25. It's looking very slow. The Barnet Bypass, as you come down the A1 through Borehamwood toward London, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus is queuing. The A10 through Enfield looking heavy from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road. A short queue looks like it's starting to build up a little on the A1M, certainly as you go past Hitchin and Stevenage, and then right up at St Neots down toward the Black Cat Roundabout. The A1's looking slow there, southbound as well. Into London again on the tubes. Good news. Piccadilly line back to normal service. Everything running fine on the trains. Adam Glenn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, 7.47. It's uh, Wednesday, the 3rd of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ministers are announcing proposals to make foreign nationals pay towards the cost of NHS care. The family of a man who died during a routine stop and search in Wickham will stage a protest today to press for answers. In sport, former British and Irish Lions captain Brian O'Driscoll has been dropped from the squad for Saturday's deciding test match against Australia in Sydney. Coming up, £5 million is going to be spent on refurbishing the town hall in Luton. £5 million! We'll find out more before 8 o'clock. Before that, though, here's the weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, good morning. We had a little bit of rain overnight last night, very useful for the gardens. It's left behind a good deal of cloud and there's one or two little echoes showing up on the radar which suggests perhaps there's one or two showers about here and there. Otherwise, uh, it's going to improve as we go through the day today. We should see some bright or sunny spells breaking through later on this afternoon and more especially into the evening. Temperatures will get to 21 degrees but it will always feel quite humid throughout the day today. A little bit of clear sky in the first part of tonight before the next band of cloud and and a little bit of drizzly rain comes in during the early hours of the morning. That will hold temperatures at between 12 and 14 degrees Celsius, but give us another grey start to the day tomorrow. And up until about noon, I think there is a chance we could have a light shower here and there. But generally, late afternoon and towards the evening, the skies will clear, it will freshen up a little bit, start to feel a little less humid. Temperatures will still get to 22 or 23 degrees Celsius. Similar sort of value on Friday with beautiful conditions, lovely sunshine. And as we go through the weekend, it's going to be warming up hotting up you might even say because some places are likely to exceed the mid-20s throughout the day on sunday with lots of lovely sunshine and that weather looks set to continue into next week as well looks like summer's just around the corner oh you little tease thank you very much fingers crossed 
Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni. The bosses of a Milton Keynes lorry driver who died after falling asleep at the wheel have been found guilty of manslaughter. With the best local news stories. At the moment, Christmas in Luton is at risk. We'll do our best. We'll work with the, the business community and other sponsors to fund the Christmas lights. The best local travel. Multi-vehicle crash on the M1 northbound. Just as you come from the M25, it's going to get busy. Three cars involved with the best local talking points. Because I was born female, that was my first sin, if you like, and I don't think I've ever been forgiven for it. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Wherever you live, you're probably experiencing uh, some of the cuts that have been brought into place. Maybe your lunch group has closed down, or your scout group are having to pay a lot more money towards their rent, or perhaps your bowls group has closed down due to lack of funding by the council. Well, Luton Town Hall is getting a makeover, you'll be pleased to hear. How much is it costing? No. Bit more? Bit more. Five million pounds. Design fees and consultant costs alone will come to over half a million pounds. Well, we can speak to the opposition group leaders on the council, the Tory Mike Garrett and Lib Dem David Franks. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Mike, when did you hear about this uh, five million pounds spend? Uh, the first I heard about it was uh, last week I was on holiday. And apparently a report went to the um, Finance Review Group. But the first I heard of it was an email from an officer asking me to attend a meeting as soon as possible to see whether I'm going to relocate my office in the town hall, my group room. I immediately then got in touch with the town hall and know what it was all about. And that's when I learned that they're going to refurbish the whole of the town hall um, the extension of the town hall is all going to be refurbished. Uh, that's the new extension, which is basically in Gordon Street. Five million quid well spent, do you think, Mike? There's two arguments to this. One, I understand the reasoning behind it, is to close down some of the offices which we lease, which are very expensive offices to lease. Yep. Um, and that is going to save a lot of money, but... Do we do these sort of things at a time when we're making drastic cuts? My answer is I would like to know a lot more about it than I do at this moment in time. Well, let's uh, Lib Dem, David Franks, what do you think? Five million quid well spent? Well, it rather depends whether they've got their sums right, doesn't it? If they have got their sums right, and frankly their track record is not terribly good, <laughs> um, if they have got their sums right, then it's a pretty good deal. Um, you refurbish the town hall extension it's not the old not the 1930s building the 1980s building is what we're talking about the, the uh, you refurbish that completely so you can get more people in it than you can at the moment get rid of all the leased offices around the town center and also get rid of unity house now which they say will save a million pounds so you invest five million now save a million pounds every year from then onwards if they've got their sums right well, they, 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 they haven't got a great history for getting their sums right have they no, no they haven't we, they certainly haven't um we'll know a bit more of course when they start getting quotes in from builders to do the refurb work um, but no, you're quite right. Their track record isn't great. And the thing is, if it's going to save a million pounds a year, Mike, uh, we won't know for five years whether they've actually saved that money or not. And, and by then, it's going to be too late to do anything. Well, precisely. Um, there's a lot more needs to come out, as David has said. Uh, we, we can't make decisions at the moment. But what really has annoyed me, this seems to be have gone on, decisions are being made without informing all the uh, political groups on the council. And that, to me, is wrong. 
we should be involved with all this sort of thing, both the Liberals and the Conservatives, but we haven't been. This was sprung on me and it was sprung on David. And that's why I've got grave doubts that the figures that they're coming out with are going to ring true. David, if they're able to do this to downsize, that would imply that for, well, the last few years, however long they've occupied all of these buildings, um, they, they didn't need to, that they've been wasting money. Yeah, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you look at the amount of money they've taken out of the budget um, over the last two or three years, and the effect that it's had so far on uh, you know what they're doing around the town, um, it, clearly they've been spending a lot of money they didn't need to. Yeah. And it, there will be people listening to this in Luton who are experiencing cuts in in, in whatever form, who will think. It, it, it doesn't look great in times of austerity, does it? Well, it, as I say, it looks very good if they've got their sums right. Yep. Um, I, I will know more when we start getting quotes in from builders for the refurb work. Um, but it's, as you, you know, the real, the real test is, uh, is then when we, see, when we see how much it's really going to cost. OK, well, listen, we will, gentlemen, thank you for that. We will keep following this story closely. Uh, the last voice you heard there was Lib Dem David Franks. Before that, Conservative Mike Garrett. Five million quid to do up the town hall. If it works, save a million pounds a year, five years, you paid it off. Uh, the, uh, what, what strikes me is uh, the design fees and consultants fees will come to over half a million pounds. I'll do it, I'll do it for 50 grand. I'll throw my hat into the ring. I'll do it for... I'll design it for 50 grand. Want a few pictures there. You paint that wall white. You want a blue carpet. Beautiful! Blue, maybe not blue. Maybe, maybe, maybe another... Uh, it's not as easy as I think, is it? No, no, that money's well spent. Definitely. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, is expected to announce plans to crack down on so-called health tourism later. It's thought he'll say foreigners who come to the UK for more than six months should pay at least £200 a year to access NHS treatment. The Department of Health estimates the cost of treating foreigners is at least £30 million a year for the NHS in England alone. But Labour's health spokesman, Jamie Reid, wants more details about how big the problem actually is. It's absolutely essential that any policy in this regard is based upon facts. It's not based upon perceptions or dog whistle policies or assumptions which are proven later not to be true. But it's absolutely the case that this is our national health service. It's not an international health service and it should not be treated as such. Well, part of the plans involve family doctors being asked to spot patients who are not entitled to free NHS treatment. Joined now by Lawrence Buckman, who's the chairman of the BMA's GP committee. Is this a good idea, Lawrence? I think it's important that we ensure in very tough economic times that the NHS resources are used appropriately and uh, the BMA looks forward to meeting ministers to discuss what they want to do. But we're not sure we know the size of the problem. We're very worried about the ethical issues and we think it's going to be very difficult to put into practice. GPs will be on the front line. They're being asked to spot people who perhaps aren't entitled to to, to free treatment. How is that going to work? We think it's going to be very difficult. Uh, We don't want us or our staff being border guards or immigration officials. The idea that you're going to have to get a visa and pay for it somewhere else is something we think is workable potentially, but we think it's going to be very difficult in practice to screen people at the reception counter in the surgery to see whether they are, quote, foreign, unquote, or not. 
How do you know someone's foreign? We think this is quite difficult. How do you know if someone's entitled? Are we going to have to ask proof from everybody who walks through the door? That's going to be very difficult. And what do you do when somebody is clearly ill? I'm not going to turn some kid away who's visibly ill because I can't establish their visa status. That's something we're never going to do. Have GPs been consulted on this? No, not so far, but we are going to be consulted, we understand, and we look forward to being asked uh, uh, by ministers, and we will certainly contribute to this very difficult problem. But what we're not going to do is test people as they come through the door sick uh, uh, to see whether they're entitled at that point. That's something you just can't do that to people. And also, how do you decide without screening everybody? Can you imagine the chaos if every single person walking through the door has to prove they're entitled or not? Uh, Lawrence, do you think that we're possibly moving towards a time when we all might pay for NHS services? Like we do when we go to the dentist, we pay, we pay a fee. Do you think we might have that in GP surgeries in the next few years? I absolutely hope not. I don't wish to be a government tax collector. And there's a big difference between coming because you're sick and going for preventative care to an optometrist or, or a dentist. Here you're coming because you're ill, usually, and those people can't plan to be ill. And are we going to be taking money off you at the point of use? That might deter you from coming, mightn't it? Uh, Lawrence, thank you very much indeed. That's Lawrence Buckman, the chairman of the BMA's GP committee. Well, what do you think? Should we all pay, what, a tenner an appointment to see the GP? It would mean that people would turn up. Uh, and it means you'd, you'd only go when you really needed to. Just think of the time it would save. 08459 four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still queues on the northbound M1 after the accident earlier between Flittick and Bedford junctions 12 and 13. Everything's reopened through there, but you're still going to find it rather slow. Things looking OK on the southbound M1 this morning. Speed sensors not showing any issues. Through Dunstable, the A5 running maybe a little bit slow on the northbound side as you head off past Lake Buzzard up toward Milton Keynes. A short delay on the A1M from Hitchin down toward Stevenage. Things in London Coney looking a bit slow on the A414. It's looking quite busy at the London Coney roundabout and at the Park Street roundabout. It's also a short delay as you come along the 414 toward the M1 through Hemel Hempstead. Delays on the M25. Anti-clockwise, it's stop-start from the M1 at Junction 21 round to the M40 at Junction 16. And pretty slow on the A1 into London as well. Stirling Corner down to Mill Hill Circus. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. More money's going to be invested in reservists, the TA. Is it an army on the cheap? We'll talk about that more after the news with Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's eight o'clock. The headlines, health tourism crackdown planned. Mandelson expresses HS2 doubts and council apologises for data protection breach. BBC Three Counties Radio. An attempt to tackle so-called health tourism is expected to be set out by the government today, along with a charge for non-EU citizens accessing hospital services. There'll also be a fee for those who want to see a GP. The chairman of the British Medical Association's GPs Committee, Dr Lawrence Buckman, has concerns. We're certainly not going to do what ministers appear to want, because we can't act as uh, the border patrol for the National Health Service and our staff cannot be put in the front line of this. It's simply not practical to challenge everybody to prove that they're entitled to NHS service. 
The high-speed railway plan to run through the Chilterns to Birmingham has been branded an expensive mistake by a senior Labour figure. The comments by Lord Mandelson come just a week after it was revealed by government that the cost of HS2 had risen by £17 billion. The government setting out its detailed plans to expand and equip Britain's part-time forces when the Territorial Army is renamed the Army Reserve. Reservists, uh, sorry, reservists are due to increase from 19,000 to 30,000 by 2018 to offset falling numbers in the regular army. The family of a man who died during a routine stop and search will hold a vigil outside Wickham Police Station today. Habib Ullah died in August 2008 after being restrained by officers in a private car park. Five years on, his family say their questions remain unanswered and are demanding a criminal investigation. Habib's cousin is Zia Ullah. The essence of the vigil really is, is, is just to ensure that every chance that we have, um, we're forever profiling exactly what the family's gone through um, and all the bad practice that we're We've unearthed it in a short period of those five years. Hertfordshire County Council's apologised after personal documents were discarded outside a former adult care facility in Hatfield. The papers were spotted by Lib Dem councillor Paul Gazakowski, who will now decide whether to take the matter to watchdogs at the Information Commissioner's office. The Mount Pleasant depot is on the route I walk to my children to school. Um, so I'm walking along in the morning, um, look down, there's documents from HCC. Uh, blank uh, care assessment forms, uh, compliment slips with, you know, HCC logos and directors' names on, um, and a staff appraisal form with a staff member's name, uh, personnel number, and, and so on. More than 45 fighters attended an incident at a car workshop in Aylesbury last night. Crews were called to the fire at Smeaton Close on the Anglo Business Park at around 10 to 7. They finally left the scene at 11pm. In sport, Alan Wynne-Jones will captain the British and Irish Lions in their deciding test match against Australia on Saturday. Former captain Brian O'Driscoll had been favourite to replace the injured skipper Sam Warburton, but he's been left out of the matchday squad altogether. The weather today, drizzle at first, becoming brighter with a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius. That's 72 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I've just had a look out the window. It's flipping horrible. It's not nice. It's not pleasant. It's very grey, overcast. It's July. It's July. Summer is almost over. I think it finished yesterday afternoon at about three o'clock when it started raining where I was. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show before JVS at nine o'clock, including non-EU citizens could be charged to use the NHS. The idea is part of new plans announced by the government. But maybe, maybe we should all pay a bit more for the NHS. Sainsbury's has apologised to a shopper who was refused service because she was on the phone when she went to the checkout. I'm not sure they should have bothered apologising. Is it rude to be on the phone when you're in a shop? And with more funding being given towards the uh, reservists, the TA, are we building an army on the cheap? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call. It's always the best way to do these things. I think he's on the telephone. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Hearts County Council is under fire for losing personal data just a year after it was criticised by the Information Commissioner for doing the same thing. Personal documents have been found blowing around on a road next to a demolished council building in Hatfield. Well, Lib Dem County Councillor Paul Zukowski found the documents blowing in the street. I'm not happy. I'm not impressed. It would appear the practices that the HCC were criticised for some time ago for um, issues around electronic data. It would seem that that stretched to, to paper data security as well. The site had such sensitive information in it. It was adult care services, so it was dealing with vulnerable people who needed, you know, support care with people with disabilities, and and it would have had in the building information about their their health needs, their care packages. Incredibly sensitive information. My attitude is that what they should have done was take a blanket policy when they moved out and said, right, we're going to send a bunch of staff in, they're going to clear every single room of every single piece of paper, irrespective of whether it's blank or not. Mm. And, and just take a blanket policy and say, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure this site has nothing on it, because it's had such sensitive information on it, we can't take the chance that something will get left behind. Well, that was Lib Dem County Councillor Paul Zukowski speaking to me earlier on in the show. David Taylor is from the Data Protection Consultancy. Morning, David. Morning, Ian. This is the second time this has happened to Hearts County Council. The Information Commission, they're not going to like this, are they? They're not. Uh, I would imagine this could be quite costly for the local authority. Uh, they've had one warning once to improve. They clearly haven't. Uh, as I recall, the last the, the last breach that they had was pupil information uh, with reference to attendance. So not necessarily sensitive, but to do with a young person. This time, clearly, this is sensitive personal data to some of our most vulnerable citizens. They're going to take this very, very seriously. And I would be, I would be surprised if the local authority weren't issued with a fine from the ICA. And what kind of fine could the ICA... What could they impose? The ICO have powers to issue, well, they call it a monetary penalty notice, of up to half a million pounds. So this could be tremendously expensive. Uh, the last 12 months or so, the Information Commissioner has uh, become quite officious, and we've seen the size of these fines become greater and greater. So you know, I think they really do need to brace themselves. You say we've seen these fines become greater and greater. Is this kind of thing common, then? I think the Information Commissioner, quite rightly so, is just sick and tired of not just the public sector, but the private sector as well, not taking the security, amongst other things, of people's personal data seriously. And they, you know, they, they started off by issuing uh, orders to improve. They did to Hertfordshire last April. And these people just aren't taking, taking notice. They're not taking it seriously. So the only way to make people take note is to hurt them in their pockets. But unfortunately, when it's a local authority, it, mm. it, hurts, the lo- it hurts us as well. Well, this is why um, uh, the, the Lib Dem County Councillor Paul Zukowski said he wasn't going to report it necessarily until he had he was going to listen to what the, the, the County Council had to say and then consider his position. But he, he was reluctant to report it because it would be the, the, the taxpayers who had to pay it ultimately. Well, the, the Data Protection Act states that if one has a breach you don't actually have to report it to the Information Commissioner. That's what the piece of law says. The Information Commissioner would say, however, it is best practice to do so, but particularly anybody in the public, any public sector organisation, there is an unwritten code that you must report these. So I would expect Hartford to self-report themselves for this. And if they don't? 
Well, they're not, break- they're, they're not breaking the law if they don't, but uh, I, I would be very disappointed if they didn't. Because I think, you know, not only should they... Uh, should they 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 face face the ICO and explain themselves? I think I think the the, the people of Hertfordshire deserve to, deserve to see that. But also, I think they need some help, and the ICO can help them improve mm. their systems. They can invite them in to uh, audit them and. Uh, uh, and Im- improve the, the clear there's obviously something now. going on that, that's wrong someone's not doing their job properly one of these documents that was found uh, was a personal appraisal so this is serious isn't it well an appraisal could be anything from you've had a you know this is an appraisal of a, of a service user i'm taking not a, not a member of staff uh, i think so yes yes i'm not 100 yeah, percent sure on that but let's assume it is Yes, if it belongs to a service user, then yes, very, very serious. The vulnerable person will have potentially information relating to their their needs, their health. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I would be devastated if that was my information. David, thanks very much. That's David Taylor from the Data Protection uh, Consultancy. Uh, it was a member of staff, the, uh, the, the, the appraisal, I've just been informed. Not a member of... Either way, it's still not brilliant, is it? Not good at all. Well, we shall see what happens. I know that um, the councillor we were speaking to earlier, Paul Zukowski, is having a meeting, I think, with Hearts County Council today, and then he's going to make his mind up as to, uh, as to what he does. So we should be following that story closely. Call 08459 BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, the story we've been talking about. P- people using their telephones. It's, it's all because of this story, page three of the mail. A woman was refused service in Sainsbury's because she was on her telephone. The cashier said, yeah, I'll serve you when you finished. She claimed it was, it was um, Sainsbury's policy. It's not. Sainsbury's apologised and gave this woman uh, some vouchers. I don't know if Sainsbury should have apologised. I think Sainsbury should have asked this woman for an apology. Really? It's one of my bugbears. I don't like it when I go into a shop and someone is using their telephone. So I have to give them the same respect and not use my telephone when I'm being served. Ken's in Luton. What do you think about this, Ken? Morning, Ian. Morning. You're right. Because I was uh, bed-bound most of the day... I watch out my window, yeah. the things you see. Oh, yeah. I mean, a woman got out of her car the other day. She was on the phone when yeah. she got out of the car. Yeah. Across the main road. What? She's still on the phone. She knocks on the door. Yeah. Got the sign for the package. Still on her phone, mind you. Walks across the main road again. And I thought to myself, if she'd have got knocked down, she'd have blamed everybody else by herself. You know, they, they seem... These cyclists... MP3's going on. What? How come they're all road safety? It's one of my things, Ken. We'll do this another day. Cyclists with headphones in. No, 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 no. Oh, Ian. Yes? About the tennis players. Oh, yeah. You know, the old grunters and groaners. The old grunters and groaners, yes, yes. Who make more noise than Mick McManus and Jackie Pallow. I'm old enough to know who you're talking about. That's right. Proper proper wrestlers you're talking about. Still proper wrestlers. Yes. You know, Kendo like, Nagasaki. I mean, I, I stopped watching them. Uh, I've watched three ladies' tennis matches. Yeah. So... It, well, you don't, need to, you don't need to watch the tennis. You can see everything from your window, it's, it would appear. Yeah, but I've got a... Vice versa thing. What? When I get fed up with tennis, I'll look out the window. There you go, you see, vice versa. Neighbourhood watch. Yeah, exactly. What else do you get to see out the window? Ken? Oh, loads. Yeah? Loads, mate. Blokes, 
people drive down with a cup of coffee in their hands, oh, still in a, you know, outrageous. A late for breakfast, when they're late for work, yeah. they've got a cup of coffee in their hand and driving at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Owns him everything. No, they, I mean you're like um um was it who was it was it Cary Grant or, J- or Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window? Oh, I didn't watch that. No, you're not seeing that. You, you might see a, you might see a murder in in, in your street. Yeah, I'm and you'll right, be the only right, witness. Hey. But look out, because the murderer will come and try and get you. Oh, so well, you'll need right, you'll yeah. need to blind him with a flash from a camera. <laughs> if yeah, something I've, like I've that. I've even done that before now. You've done what? Blinded someone with a flash from a camera? Took photos of what? Well, kids throwing stones. We had a uh, car window smashed, yeah. and uh, across the road had their car window smashed, yeah. and next door but one had their car window smashed, yeah. and uh, they were picking stones up off the drive. Oh, these for kids. goodness sakes. One was thrown across the road, and the other one was thrown at them over this side, so that's how they got smashed. And you took photos of them? Oh, yes. We all need a Ken in our street. Yes, neighbourhood watch. Can we hire you out, Ken? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. 50 quid a day. Oh, hang on a second. You know you're, now you're taking the mick. Yeah, but I, I look after confidential equipment uh, receipts as well. So if I offer you county council, why not get in touch with me and know where I am? You'll be in your bed. Uh, Ken, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> He's offering the full rounded service there. Good for you, Ken. Well done. Well done. I've had that. He's talking about delivery people. I've had delivery man on the telephone delivering me a parcel, and I'm stood at my door. While he's fumbling around for that... You don't sign a bit of paper anymore, do you? You sign those little um, computer screens. Has anybody's signature on one of those computer screens actually looked like their real signature? I don't even try anymore. I just take it and go, <laughs> Don't even bother. But I've had it where those people have been... The, those people... <laughs> the, what do you mean, those people? The delivery people have been on their telephones while I'm, I'm stood there, sometimes in my pants, I'm not shy... Uh, signing for a package. That's not good, is it? JVS this morning is asking a very pertinent question. This is a cracker, right? Have mobile phones made life better? I, I, if I could ditch my mobile phone, I've talked about this before, if I could ditch it, I would at a moment's notice. I hate, I hate being contactable 24 hours a day. Hate it. Emails, phone calls, texts, oh... I bought, about two months ago, I bought a really rubbish old Nokia phone. All it does is does phone calls and texts. That's it. I've not been able to make the switch. I just can't. I can't do it. I'm too needy. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Speed sensors showing a bit of a delay on the A5 at the minute. It's looking quite slow as you go from Dunstable northbound up toward Hockcliffe. It's also looking quite slow past Houghton Regis on the southbound side. Now, as you come into Luton on the A6, there's a short delay, mainly past the junction with the A5228 and then in toward Luton Station. Everything seems to be running quite well on the M1 now. Of course, we did have the big problems earlier this morning between junctions 12 and 13. That looks clear. A bit slow on the M1 spur, though, in toward Luton Airport, junction 10 to 10A. A41 from Hemel Hempstead down toward the M25. That's got a bit of a queue building up. It's looking slow into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood down towards Stirling Corner. And, of course, on the M25, it's still slow anti-clockwise from the M1 round to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Have you finished, Adam? I'm, I was chatting to JVS. Have you, have, you, oh. have you got anything else you could say? Um, trains running fine. Oh. <laughs> I was just having a chat with JVS about to reveal some office gossip. Ooh. About a, an office romance, and, and then you've Ooh. kind of. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll have to leave it. Never mind. All right, fair enough. Tell me during the trail, okay? Okay. Thank I you. Will. <laughs> I miss out on all the gossip. Right. 8.16. It's uh, Wednesday the 3rd of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ministers will outline plans to charge non-EU citizens to access the NHS in Parliament today. There'll also be a fee for those wanting to see a GP. The high-speed railway planned to run through the Chilterns to Birmingham has been cancelled. No, it hasn't. It hasn't, sorry. It's been branded an expensive mistake by Lord Mandelson. In sport, Alan Wynne-Jones will captain the British and Irish Lions in their deciding test match against Australia on Saturday. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks drizzle at first and becoming brighter with a top temperature of 22 degrees. Coming up... The Luton Town Hall is going to be refurbished at the cost of £5 million. Ouch! We'll find out more before 8.30. Right, let's get this gossip. BBC Three Counties Radio. Who can forget this time last year? I'm looking down on Gail Ems running through central Milton Keynes. The Olympic torch relay lit up beds, hearts and bucks. When you had that flame, it was you. In the whole of the world, you had the Olympic torch in your hand. From Monday, the Three Counties sports team will be cycling the torch route and speaking to people involved in the sporting legacy. All we need to do is work very, very closely with the local clubs and schools to start to develop the sport at grassroots. Follow us throughout the day and find out just how the Olympics inspired sport for all of us. As soon as it started, we signed up and done it on the first day. Three Counties Sport cycle the Olympic torch route Monday and Tuesday here on BBC Three Counties Radio. I never thought those two would be the type to get it on, but but that, but they have done. Well done, congratulations to them. Thank you for that, uh, Jonathan, I appreciate <laughs> that. Literally, I miss out on all the gossip. Because I'm, I'm, I, 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 I don't talk to people upstairs. You do realise now, yes. for the rest of today, yep. every, there's one thing that everyone's going to be asking me. Yep. What about this office gossip? Don't tell them. I won't tell it's them. It's our little secret. Stum. People don't say stum enough these days, no. do they? No one says stum anymore. Stum. Is it a German word? I hear it sounds it, doesn't it? Stum. Or perhaps Dutch. Under the bruch. Stum. Mm, could be, the way you uh, delivered that. Excellent stuff, uh, indeed. I really have been enjoying your show a lot recently. Have you? To the point where, again yesterday, during the consumer hour, I drove slower. <laughs> to, um, I, no, I, so I could listen to it within, because I was driving off out of uh, the Three Counties Reach. Oh, I thought, I want to hear. And I, mi- I did miss the end. I lost the last bit of, of uh, I lost the last bit about the um, uh, lady who had mould in her bathroom, but actually shouldn't have been living in that flat anyway, because she was asked to leave two years ago. The landlady's ago. been trying to get her out for I two know. years. It's an incredible story. But you know what that's going on all the time. Yeah, really. Councils are saying to people, yep. don't move out. No, 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 we don't care if the house is falling down you're living in. Don't move out because if you move out, you're making yourself homeless. We can't house you, and we won't then house you. It's incredible. Yeah, it's it terrible. is amazing, and I, I, I felt sorry. It, it, what was interesting about that story was how your sim- one sympathies shifted from the woman who's got a mouldy bathroom. Oh, it's a horror, and it's a horrible mouldy bathroom. Then when you get the rest of the story, the poor couple that own the property and possibly want to move in them themselves, well, and they can't. Yeah, and do you know what? You, you kind of think. I've spoken to landlords before who said I would never rent my property to council tenants mm. i don't care if the council say they're going to pay it because they've had this kind of problem yep. where they decide after three years they actually want to move back into their home so they say could you move out please because i want my home back mm. and 
the tenant says, well, no, I don't want to move out. And the council say, no, don't move out, because yep. if you move out, you'll, uh, you, we won't house you anywhere else. So landlords end up with the tenant stuck in a property that they can't get rid of unless they literally go through the legal process and have them evicted. There's a bigger story in that somewhere. I think you should, you should take this further. I, I can hear a whole hour on this, because it is incredible. It is mm. incredible. Anyway, 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 that's, that's the consumer hour, which I, I absolutely adore. You have another two hours, I found out yesterday. You start at nine. I do. do. I'm, <laughs> I'm here from nine. Wow. I just really witter on until 11. <laughs> what have you got at nine o'clock this morning? Well, I've been very interested, slash, um, in great pain, listening to what you've been doing <laughs> with Sophie Solaria well, this it, morning. It could technically be classed as bullying. <laughs> it could be. I hope she doesn't email <laughs> the bosses, because I could be in terrible trouble for this. Um... I'm asking this morning on the big phone-in today, have mobile phones made life better? Uh, the Sainsbury's checkout assistant has made the headlines today, as we all know, for refusing to serve a shopper on her mobile phone. The supermarket does not ban the use of mobile phones, but the member of staff took matters into her own hands. Good for her. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Totally. I think it's very rude. I go to Argentina every year. Mm. In Argentina, the culture is very different, and everyone just answers their phone wherever they are. So you'll be sitting there having a meal, and there's four of you, and you're all having a nice chatter, mm. and suddenly a mobile phone. They think nothing of it. Hola, si, si. And you think, how rude, no, how no. rude. But I wonder whether mobile phones have become so ingrained in our lives that, frankly, we need to just relax about them. We all use our mobile phones for pretty much everything now. To be without a mobile phone is unrealistic. And perhaps we need to just all relax. And if someone is making a call, that might be a very important call to them. They might be organising something very important business-wise. And to suggest that someone shouldn't take that call or should get off the phone, perhaps you think it's totally unreasonable. From nine this morning, I want to hear from you. Have mobile phones made life better? Can I find, and I'd really love to find someone after nine, who doesn't have a mobile? Oh, yes. I don't know anyone who doesn't have a mobile. My mum doesn't have one. What? My mum doesn't have one, no. Well, even my 80... I got an 85-year-old grandmother. She's got one. She texts. In fact, I had to, I had to take her to the shop the other day because she wanted to upgrade her mobile phone for one that can take pictures. Um, so what does an 85-year-old woman want to take pictures of? Well, Big I, belief. I dread to think. Uh, but if even an 85-year-old woman's got a mobile phone, surely everyone's got a mobile phone. Uh, Pat next door's got a mobile phone. Everyone's got a mobile phone, haven't they? And how on earth could you possibly survive with that? How does your mum survive with that mobile phone? How does she talk to you? Oh, she uses the she uses the landline. Do you remember those? The landline? She constantly uses the landline. Do you remember what before we had mobile phones? And if you arranged to meet if I arranged to meet you outside McDonald's mm. at ten thirty and I had, you would have to meet me there. And the, the, if I hadn't turned up, you'd have to wait for like 45 minutes. Yeah. Well, 45, he's not turned up. Maybe he's not coming. You, there was no texting, where are you? I'm five minutes away. Oh, I'm in the, you had to wait. And you know, that's a very important point because what's happened is we've all become less punctual because of mobile phones. Yes, yes. You know, now you say we'll meet at 10.30, 10.40, you send a text, so sorry, running five minutes late. Yep. I'll be there. You know, we've all become very, very kind of laid back, haven't we, mm. as a result? I can hear someone breathing. Is, is there someone on the phone? Yeah, um, is that Ian? Yeah, who's that? Yeah, this is John and Milton Keynes. Hello. I just wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about no- nothing really in particular. Just oh. to say hi, really, you know. Oh, well, hi, I'm, I'm doing the thing with Jonathan. I hope there's no one important in the studio with you. <laughs> Not really. It's, J- it's JVS. He's the uh, flagship oh. show on, uh, on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, that's, so, that's okay. He's it sounded bitchy. It wasn't meant to. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're really rude. <laughs> yeah. What you? Yeah, but if it was anybody else in, I, I would have thought, what a rude man. Yes. You know? What? You do? Do you like mobile phones, John? Well, I think fantastic. I like, for situations like this, I mean, just to just to pick up the phone and talk whenever you want to. Yeah. It, fantastic isn't it i'm finding this all a little rude i'm i'm here trying to to talk about my program and you've suddenly just cut me off hang on a sec one second one second so you're not a fan of them or or you are a fan of them yeah i I love them how's the weather in luton um, it's it's a little bit gray it's a little bit overcast it's not particularly good i'm afraid at the moment jonathan i think you you can probably go now uh yeah it's a little bit overcast it's not brilliant yeah, I hope, I, thank I you, Jay. Yes, no, no, anyway. I'm, I'm going. I'm just talking to John. Thanks very much. Yeah, don't mind me. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 not. Um, well, John, this is lovely to talk to you. I should probably crack on with my show. Yeah, okay. In. Have ta- a good day. Ta-ta. And, um, yeah, ta-ta. Bye. Th- thank you. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Call JVS. I'm from nine have mobile phones m- made things better? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Now, five million pounds of taxpayers' money is going to be spent on refurbishing the town hall in Luton. Design fees and consultant fees costs will come to over half a million pounds. Earlier on in the show, I spoke to the Conservative opposition group leader on the council, Mike Garrett. He was alerted to the decision when he was on holiday. The first I heard of it was an email from an officer asking me to attend a meeting as soon as possible to see where they're going to relocate my office in the town hall. Five million quid well spent, do you think, Mike? There's two arguments to this. One, I understand the reasoning behind it, is to close down some of the offices which we lease, which are very expensive offices to lease. And that is going to save a lot of money. But... Do we do these sort of things at a time when we're making drastic cuts? Well, Robin Porter is the Corporate Director of Commercial and Transformation Services at Luton Borough Council. Seems a bit inappropriate, Robin, spending five million quid when everybody's making cuts. Good morning. Um, Just to clarify, uh, we're not actually spending five million pounds on the town hall. We're actually spending five million pounds on an office block that's attached to the town hall that we call the town hall extension. Uh, Well, either way, uh, Robin, okay, the town hall extension, five million quid when uh, lunch groups are closing, when scouts are having their, their rents increased, when people in Luton are suffering. Absolutely, and um, it does look like a very, very big figure. Well, it is a very, very uh, big figure. The council has had to save £54 million over the last three years. Of that £54 million, £3.5 million has been saved from the property budget. This investment is going to enable us to save £1.2 million per year for the next 20 years. And where have you got these figures from, Robin? It's a good investment. Where, and where have you got these figures from? These figures are from our budget. The £1.2 million that we're going to save is the amount of money that we say we currently spend on the two office buildings that we will be shutting um, once we've completed this project. Uh, Luton Council, it it doesn't have a brilliant uh, record of getting its facts and its figures right, Robin. Are you 100% sure? Can you guarantee our listeners 100% that you'll be saving £1.2 million for the next 20 years because of this? Yes. Right, clip that. We'll play that to you again. What that would imply, Robin, uh, is that Luton Council has been wasting money for as long as they've they've had these extra offices. Then, no, no, absolutely. Well, not. yes. If you could, if you can if you can streamline to save one point two million pounds a year, why didn't you do it before? Luton Council is changing the way that our offices work. Uh, we are moving to agile working. Currently, the town hall extension um, has got an occupancy of three hundred. 
Uh, that is the, the maximum amount of people that we can get into that, that office space. Once we sort out the electrics in the building, the air handling, um, we can accommodate within that building over 500. Through moving to agile working, uh, an investment in... So technology. you have been wasting £1.2 million a year? Absolutely not. That is the amount of money that we need to spend today to house right. the amount of people that we've got. But but why did why we why is this being done now, Robin? Why is this being done now? And why hello? Why is this Robin? Sorry, why is this Robin? Sorry, why is this being done now? And why was it not done several years ago? Why is this being done now? And not several years ago. Um. Well, the building. Therefore, saving one point two million pounds a year several years ago. The buildings have got to this, the point now where they need investment. Um, the £1.2 million that we are spending on uh, the office space at the moment uh, is detailed through because we have, you know, we've reduced the amount of staff that we've got within the, the authority by over 870 in the last three years. This council is working incredibly hard to save money. As I mentioned, we saved fifty-four million pounds over the last three years. Do you think there are lots of other areas where you could save, but you just eight million pounds? So, Robin, do you think there are lots of other areas then where you could save, but you just haven't looked at doing it because you haven't had to? <clears throat> over the last three years, Lisbon Council's delivered four hundred and sixty right. saving projects to make up that fifty-four million pounds. The council's working incredibly hard to ensure that it balances its budget, that it cuts its budget in the most appropriate way to ensure that maximum amount of money is spent on frontline services, on services to the people who need them within Lucy. Listen, we all know what it's like. You get some builders in to do a little bit of work and they say it's going to take six months and, and ten months later you're still there and they've, th- th- there's still dust coming through the bathroom. Can you guarantee that this will definitely come in on budget and will be finished on time? Um, we've got an incredibly good track record of delivering projects on time. Uh, the Aquatic Centre, TOCO, Building Schools for the Future... Marsh Farm Children's Centre, all of these, all of these uh, building projects have been delivered on time, on budget. It, just, just finally again, uh, Robin, last question. Uh, the, the financial crisis is making councils look harder at their facilities. Absolutely. It, it does mean, surely, that the, the council has been spreading themselves a bit thin then in terms of facilities. Why wasn't this done five years ago, ten years ago? Well, five years ago, ten years ago, we didn't have the technology that enabled us to, to work in the agile way. Um, what, we computers? You know, the technology that enables us to work in an agile way. What, what, what do you mean by that? What technology? Um, handheld devices, that means that... Uh, yes, we that did. Uh, Robin, Robin, we, Robin, I had an iPhone five years ago. Technology is moving at an incredibly... I, I know. Rate. I had an iPhone about four or five years ago. Okay, council of, uh, the council didn't have iPhones four or five years ago. Okay, right, but uh, okay, well, we'll 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 leave it there, Robin. A, a little bit desperate, but we'll we'll see. He's he's a hundred percent sure that um, he's a hundred percent sure that they will be. Um, it will save one point two million pounds a year. And of course, Luton do have an excellent track record for getting things on time and for for sticking to the budgets, don't they? The Ollie Moore's concert, the busway. 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Delays for First Capital Connect and East Midlands train services running between Luton and St Pancras. This is because of electrical supply problems at Kentish Town. So up to 25 minutes of delays for both of those providers for the moment. M25 anti-clockwise stop start from Kings Langley round to M- the M40 at Junction 16. The A1 looking slow from Borehamwood down towards Stirling Corner. Everything seems to be quite busy on the A10 in Enfield, southbound Bullsmore Lane towards Southbury Road. You've got slow traffic in Stevenage, the A602, between the A1M at Junction 8 and Junction 7. The A5 northbound still looking quite slow from the A505 toward Leighton Road. You've got a bit of a queue on the A41 coming from the Hemel Hempstead turn at the A414 down toward Kings Langley. And then on the A414, Park Street roundabout looking very busy this morning. The junction with the North Orbital Road there. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Just to clarify, before Ofcom become involved, I had a relatively smartphone five years ago. I believe I had a BlackBerry five years ago, but the iPhone has been around for six years at least. So, point made. Right, a little bit later than usual. Here's the news and sport. Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, the headlines. Ministers will outline plans to charge non-EU citizens to access the NHS in Parliament today. There'll also be a fee for those wanting to see a GP. The high-speed railway planned to run through the Chilterns to Birmingham has been branded an expensive mistake by Lord Mandelson. And the family of a man who died during a routine stop and search will hold a vigil outside Wickham Police Station later. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wales second row Alan Wynne-Jones will captain the British and Irish Lions in the final test against Australia on Saturday after Brian O'Driscoll was dropped completely from the squad. Here's Ian Robertson from Sydney. The Lions' manual for winning a test series has been cast aside. In a high-risk gamble, the Lions have made seven changes, one positional. They won the first test and made five changes. It's all change again. Brian O'Driscoll has been axed altogether. Jamie Roberts replaces him in the team. Manitou Lange comes onto the bench. Mike Phillips is chosen in place of Ben Youngs, who also drops out of the squad. Conor Murray is on the bench. In the pack, two changes in the front row. In come Alex Corbusieri and Richard Hibbard for Macavunapola and Tom Youngs. And two changes in the back row, Toby Fallatow and Sean O'Brien replace Jamie Heaslip and Sam Warburton. There are ten Welsh players in the team, a record for a Lions test. Tennis now in its men's quarter-finals day at Wimbledon. Andy Murray will be on court at around four o'clock this afternoon to take on Spain's Fernando Fidasco. Here's Jonathan Overend with a look forward. Almost everything points towards a Murray win. He hasn't dropped a set so far, has an 8-1 winning record over the Spaniard at tour level and knows this is Fidasco's first Wimbledon quarter-final and the only time he's strung this many wins together all year. However, the left-hander can be dangerous. His flashy forehand is up there with some of the game's most devastating weapons and his serve is underrated. If Murray can nullify those threats early, then surely he can look forward to a fifth successive Wimbledon semi-final. An incredible record. In football, Luton Town will find out their conference fixtures for next season later this morning. That announcement's due at 11 o'clock and the Hatters are once again favourites to win the league. Finally, Stevenage striker Michael Thalassitis has joined Ebb's fleet on a season-long loan and that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 9 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Reservists will get £40 million of new kit and extra overseas training opportunities under proposals to increase the size of the part-time forces from 19,000 to 30,000 by 2018. A white paper published today will set out financial incentives for small firms employing reservists. Well, critics have labelled the strategy an attempt to create an army on the cheap comes on top of plans set out in 2010 to reduce the size of the regular army by 20,000 to just 82,000 by 2020. The MP for Milton Keynes North, a member of the Territorial Army, Mark Lancaster, spoke to me earlier on, and he denied suggestions that today's white pipe paper signals an army on the cheap. Well, I'm joined now by Major Charles Heyman, who is a former infantry officer and defence expert. Good morning, Major. What do you make of this? Is it an army on the cheap? I wouldn't say it's an army on the cheap. It's certainly a cheaper army, though. There's no doubt about that. By cutting 20,000 regular soldiers from the army, the government hopes to save around about £750 million a year. I mean, that's an enormous amount of money, uh, more than even BBC managers get paid. So uh, not an army on the cheap, but probably a reflection of these economic circumstances at the country. Uh, Major, are you there? Have we lost you? No, I'm here. Oh, you're still there. You just dropped out for a second. We got your point. Uh, I I was speaking to uh, Mark Lancaster earlier on, uh, MP for Milton Keynes North. He said that there was was no difference in training for the reservists as opposed to the regular army. Is that correct? Are the reservists as equally trained as the the regulars? Um, The training of reservists is patchy. There are some reservists, quite a lot of reservists, who are very, very well trained and who've been on a number of operational missions in either Iraq or Afghanistan, and you really couldn't fault their training and expertise. But uh, there are other reservists who need a lot more training before they come up to the standard that you really need um, for regular operations. And uh, reservists who've been around for a long time will admit that as well. I mean, the difficulty here for the government is actually getting 30,000 trained reservists. They're going to get somewhere towards that figure. There's no doubt about that. But to get 30,000 is a very, very ambitious and in, a big ask. In 20 seconds, Major, uh, with these cuts to the regular army and uh, increases in the reservists, should we be worried as a nation? No, we shouldn't be worried as a nation. It will mean that we can't take part in faraway expeditionary operations in the same way as we have. But the security of the UK is almost certainly not compromised. Major Charles Heyman, former infantry officer and defence expert, thank you very much indeed. Well, part of me cheered a little bit then at that last comment that we won't be able to take take, uh, such a big role in uh, battles and wars further away. Well... That might actually be a good thing. There are lots of people who question our uh, presence in Iraq and Afghanistan and why are we there and are we spreading ourselves too thin? But we as a nation are safe. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Mary's in Hemel. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Ian. Uh, and we're in Libya and Mali. Uh, any, uh, they're quick to jump on any... And I suppose we'll maybe sending something to Syria and then now Egypt and da-de-da-de-da. Uh, it may... It, well, to me, it's, it's soldiering on the cheap. And these people who are doing this, I know a lot of them are ex-soldiers, but... Uh, the point is they're in jobs. A lot of them, I mean, are being kicked out. These people are being kicked out into the street. Many of them are homeless because they, obviously, they've had everything provided for them in the military. And they're almost to a sort of uh, point where if they've been in for a long time, they're institutionalised because everything is managed for them. 
you know, and it's very difficult for them out in Sibby Street. You heard, you, you heard the Major there, Mary, who says that, that even if we reduce the regular army by 20,000, as long as we increase the reservists, we'll be safe as a nation, and it will mean that we, we can't get as heavily involved in foreign conflicts that perhaps... And this That's is no bad thing, that. Well, perhaps that isn't a bad thing, Mary. So if, if it saves us money... Yeah, but the point is, Ian... We hear this, but we've got politicians that, to me, like the last lot, have broken their covenant with the military. And they will still want to send any abroad into foreign countries just to show that their, their presence, because they like to feel they're part of the world stage. And I don't think they will stop sending people abroad still, even if we've only got two soldiers they'd send them. Mary and Hemel, thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. What do you think? Are you worried that uh, the regular army is being cut by twenty thousand, and the reservists will be increased, not by twenty thousand, by eleven thousand? So it's going to be a whole smaller thing. Is it an army on the cheap? Does it concern you, or are you slightly relieved that it, it means we'll still be safe, but we can't get involved in lots of conflicts around the world does that relieve you ever so slightly oh eight four five nine four double five five double five we've been talking as well about uh, the possibility that uh, foreign nationals not members of the eu uh, may be charged to use the nhs over here in the uk and it kind of got me thinking perhaps perhaps we should all pay something at point of contact we do when we go to the dentist even if it's an nhs dentist you still pay something so i don't know what 10 pounds 15 pounds let's say 10 pounds for every GP's appointment. Hospital fees, we could, that would be negotiable. But £10 to visit the GP. Makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, we've got some text here. 81333. Start the text 3CR. Pat says, uh, paying to see the doctor. I didn't go to see the doctor very often. If I had to pay, I would probably have self-diagnosed irritable bowel syndrome last year because that is what my symptoms indicated. Actually, it turned out I have cancer. So no to paying to see the doctor when you need to. Kaz says the GP you've got you had on got it wrong. Job applicants have to provide proof of their right to work in the UK, so it's not beyond the wit of man or woman to devise a workable system. Mandy and Luton says, uh, why don't they tighten up on regulations already in place? I seem to be in a minority of people who have to pay for prescriptions. Chemists are supposed to ask for proof of entitlement to free medicines, but rarely do. Oh, Mandy, every time I have collected a free medicine, uh, not for me, but on behalf of somebody. Uh, I've had to show the little card or the the form or the document, so I I have had to do that. Uh, Another thing we've been talking about is is, manners, is what this boils down to. Manners. After a lady in Sainsbury's wasn't served until she ended her phone call. We've been asking about people using their phones in shops. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it when I go in a shop and the shopkeeper is on the phone and serves me while on the phone. Without even looking at me sometimes. I think it's awful. But if I hate it, I have to give them the same respect, don't I? I can't use a phone when I'm ordering something. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, lots of you have been having your, uh, your say on this. Um, let's, have, let's pick some of these at random, shall we? Ruth says the customer was being rude on the phone. Sainsbury's were correct not to serve her. It's not Sainsbury's policy, by the way. They have since apologised and, and given a... A whole £10 worth of vouchers. Wow. No one should use their phone whilst being served. I re-emphasise it's rude in capital letters because she's shouting with four exclamation marks. So she's shouting with an inflection in her voice. 
Uh, Julia says, politeness has gone out of the window. What happened to talking to the person in front of you? Customer is wrong. She could have always left the person behind, let the person behind her take her place until she got off the phone. Another thing I don't like in shops, to give the other side of the coin, is a lot of these supermarkets, they have trained their cashiers how to have a conversation. They go on conversation modules. Today, team, we'll be learning how to have a conversation. So when the customer... I, I hate it. How are you today? Good, thanks. Did you find everything you needed? Yes. Enjoying the weather? No. Don't like that. Don't Just serve me. Just serve me. That's all I want. Okay, just serve me. Jenny quickly says, uh, of course, of course it's fine to talk on your phone as you're shopping, but not at the checkout or during interaction with the staff. I was in a supermarket the other day and the customer in front of me at the kiosk remained on the phone, didn't speak to the cashier except to ask for what he wanted and then just slapped down his money, took his goods uh, and walked off. The cashier then quietly called him something extremely rude. Oh, <laughs> dear. I didn't think it appropriate to use that sort of language whilst another customer was present, but I certainly understood the sentiment of felt exactly the same way when i used to work many many years ago uh, in hmv it's when robson and jerome were big because we had to play it all christmas i worked in hmv behind the counter oh I hate it. oh it was soul destroying partly because we had to listen to robson and jerome all day long partly because it turns out people in shops are really rude so i developed a skill and I, I i i can still do it now i won't do it here but i developed a skill where i could be behind the counter it's like ventriloquism and I would have a member of staff beside me, and I would say, oh, Robson and Jerome, fantastic, and then say something very, very rude about them, but they couldn't hear it, but the person next to me could. It was wonderful. I'll do it when Paul Scoynes comes in in a little bit. He won't hear it, but you will. It's going to be a lot of fun. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Train delays at the moment. First Capital Connect and East Midlands trains delayed by up to 25 minutes from Luton to St Pancras. It's electrical supply problems causing issues around Kentish Town. London Underground will take your tickets once you get in toward London. Disruption probably going to be ongoing for at least another half an hour. The A602 in Stevenage is looking quite slow between the A1M at Junction 8 and Junction 7. Northbound on the A5, Dunstable. It's slow from the A505 up toward Leighton Road. Eastbound in Hemel Hempstead, the A41 is looking slow as you come from the A414 down to the M25 at Kings Langley. And on the A414, a bit of slow traffic at the Park Street roundabout. Meanwhile, if you're joining the M25, expect it to be stop-start from Kings Langley at Junction 20 round to the M40 at Junction 16. Slow into London on the A10 through Enfield from Bullsmore Lane towards Southbury Road. And queues as well in Boreham Wood on the A1 southbound as you come to Stirling Corner. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. E up, Chuck. 8.46, it's Wednesday the 3rd of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ministers will outline plans to change non-EU citizens to uh, access the NHS... Sorry, to charge non-EU citizens to access the NHS in Parliament today. There'll also be a fee for those wanting to see a GP. The high-speed railway planned to run through the Chilterns to Birmingham has been branded an expensive mistake by Lord Mandelson. In sport, men's quarterfinals day at Wimbledon with Andy Murray set to play Spain's Fernando Vadasco on centre court at four. Coming up, the high-speed railway planned to run through the Chilterns to Birmingham could become an expensive mistake. That's according to a senior Labour figure. We'll find out more before nine, but before that, let's get the weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning. After some rain last night, so we're fairly dry out there at the moment and it will remain so throughout the day with just a small chance of a shower coming from the thicker bits of this cloud. And it is going to be a pretty cloudy day, it has to be said. Uh, I think the best chance of seeing the cloud break will be late afternoon and towards the evening when there will be some hints of brightness and sunshine. Temperatures will get to 21 degrees today, nonetheless. So it's going to be feeling quite humid out there. This evening and overnight, the skies will actually clear for a time, but the next band of cloud rolls in from the west in the second part of the night towards the early hours, and that's going to introduce one or two drizzly outbreaks of rain into tomorrow. And it's still knocking about here and there. There's still two sections of this weather front that are going to come through. So we'll see the first one through in the morning, something a little bit brighter, and then perhaps some thicker cloud around about lunchtime in the first part of the afternoon uh, with the chance of a light shower. But for us all, as we go through the late afternoon and towards the evening the skies will be blue and temperatures will be up to around 22 or 23 degrees celsius it will feel a little fresher and less humid into friday but a lovely day nonetheless we'll have some sunshine and temperatures will get to the low 20s once again as for the weekend well since the sunshine is continuing the temperatures will be continuing to be on the up and by sunday we could hit highs of 26 27 maybe 28 degrees celsius it looks like that kind of weather is going to stay into next week as well so a prolonged spell of summer just around the corner thank you very much If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Said send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at bb. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. The high-speed railway planned to run through the Chilterns to Birmingham could become an expensive mistake. That's according to a senior Labour figure. The comments by Lord Mandelson come just a week after it was revealed by government that the cost of HS2 has risen by £17 billion. Well, our political uh, reporter Paul Scoynes is here. Paul, this is in today's FT, isn't it? Financial Times. Yes, not often that we uh, we look at the Financial Times in our paper reviews, but, however, uh, this is the main story, and it's quite a, it's quite a you know... An interesting article, and it says some pretty serious stuff. This was the uh, senior Labour figure, Peter Mandelson, Lord Mandelson, uh, who's writing in today's paper saying that he once supported HS2, but now fears it could become an expensive mistake. And he says that politicians should not be afraid to think again about a project uh, which, you know, its cost has risen again by a quarter, uh, and says that, you know, at the time that they uh, supported it back in 2010, uh, Labour thought they were emerging. Uh, from the worst financial crisis of our lifetime. He then says that we were on the eve of a general election and keen to paint an upbeat view of the of the future and he said that at that point HS2 looked like a surefire candidate to attract private funds and he says it's now far from clear. I'm confused Mandelson uh, is saying this, I'm also looking at this, Alistair Darling, the former Labour Chancellor over the weekend said uh, that HS2 would suck money out of the budget this was a Labour idea wasn't it? Well yes it was certainly uh, backed by Lord Adonis who was at the time the uh, transport, uh, I think it was the rail minister and uh, you know this was a clear um, uh, 
Labour policy that they wanted to back. The Conservatives apparently were very hot on it back then as well. Uh, and when it, you know, when the coalition came into uh, into government, they had a debate about whether or not they'd still go ahead with it. And in 2010, it was put through. And as you heard only last week um, on BBC Three Counties on this programme, Cheryl Gillan, who was uh, was the MP or is the MP for Cheshire and Amersham, she's Conservative and very much against it. Uh, she was saying that, that that Labour will push this bill through that we 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 heard last week and that's when we heard about the the vast increase in the amount of money that this was going to cost from 33 billion to 50 billion that in- huge 17 million pound mm. increase in costs business leaders uh, say it's vital don't they yeah they do i mean we've heard on this program the the uh, the views of of the birmingham chamber of commerce who said that it would absolutely free up the northwest uh, interestingly the the argument seems to have changed from uh, it being about speed to being about capacity uh, although in his article Lord Mandelson says that the glaring gap quote in his in, in, in the analysis that was done on HS2 was the alternative ways of spending the money this huge at the time 30 billion pounds obviously we know that that's risen um, they sort of didn't take account of the future rail capacity the the amount that of, of, of economic growth and jobs it would create the, the the gap that would potentially narrow between north and south all of those uh, areas weren't really analyzed with particular rigor and uh, he said that um, you know the the assumption that this would all change wasn't quantified or proved however just speaking to earlier today to the bbc mike amy who's a managing director and portfolio manager at the bond investors pimco said unfortunately infrastructure projects like this are often hit by doubt there's two things that strike me out of this story one is 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 the magnitude of the project and uh, and obviously the revision to, to how much it's going to cost are, are pretty staggering. I guess that the broader the broader uh, aspect which which strikes me is is one of the challenges we've had for so long in this country has been to get this infrastructure spending going. And I think this is just a classic example of the challenges that we face in in kind of kickstarting the economy. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, oh, there's only five minutes of the show left. Look at that, I was about to throw out the phone number. If you've not called, well, you can still give us a call in the last few minutes if you like, but I, I, if I were you, I'd suggest you start phoning uh, JVS. We'll uh, give you a little reminder of what his question is shortly. It's going to be a corker today, though. This morning, we've been talking about whether or not it's OK to use a mobile phone in a shop. There's a story uh, in uh, some of the newspapers that Sainsbury's had to apologise to a shopper who was refused service by one of their staff because she was on the phone when she went to the checkout. The cashier said she wouldn't serve her till she ended her conversation. I think Sainsbury's was wrong to apologise. I, I say well done to that cashier. We're losing. It's small little things like this that are undermining our society that we live in today. She was being rude. She shouldn't have, uh, she shouldn't, shouldn't have had to apologise to her. Well, our reporter, Sophie Solaria, has, uh, has been out this morning. And if I'm honest, Sophie, if I had a conscience, I'd feel a little bit guilty for what I've asked you to do. I don't have a conscience. No, uh, it, you it, don't and have it, any conscience. No, and it could technically be classed as bullying if you wanted to refer it higher up the BBC chain. Which I will. OK, well, that's, that, that is your prerogative. What did we get you to do this morning? Well, Where you have you asked, been? You asked uh, me to go into shops and spring upon poor unsuspecting unsuspecting cashiers my rudeness that is chatting on my mobile phone and they didn't take it well no should we have a listen yeah okay are you in the shop yeah keep talking on the phone keep talking on the phone don't talk Uh, to him yeah no absolutely so i uh i said you can't have that color is he giving you a funny look yeah is it a dirty look 
Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Start talking okay. louder. No, no, laugh, no. Laugh hysterically. Quid, really? Do you go with that? <laughs> oh, no, he's, oh. he's he's saving someone else. I'll just take my I'll just take my 20 back. What so happened? What, my did... He moved my item aside and served somebody else. I obviously just came in here to buy chewing gum and I was on the phone the whole time. Did you dislike that? It's okay, we can wait for you because you are a customer. Then yeah. That's my duty. This time, I'm going into a really full sandwich shop. Go and get a coffee and let's talk about Nikki. Why, what, go go uh, in. What, what's, what's, okay. what's going on with Nikki? So I said to her, if she doesn't bring you by Friday in one more time, yeah. well, for it, Nikki. Are you in there, Sophie? Oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in here now. Yeah, I'm in okay. here now. You're looking desperate. Oh. Oh, God, I'm actually getting sad. I've got, I've got to go. No, okay. no, talk louder. Go back in there and talk louder. Can I have a coffee, please? My friend Nikki has basically said she's really not taking it. Tell her she's it's really urgent. You need a coffee. You're really gasping. Urgent. I need a coffee. I need a coffee. I'm gasping for a coffee. She's just not letting me. S- say, really it, say it louder and say, can you, can you hurry up? I'm on the phone. No. Now, she's just ignoring me. She's just ignoring Demand me. Demand a coffee, Sophie. I want a coffee. I want a coffee, please. She's, can you get out? I'm, I refuse to leave. No, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> Describe what just happened there. I've just left my bag in there. Oh, go get it! Madam, I'm from BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm really sorry to have behaved so bizarrely in your cafe. They've all left now. How did you find my actions just then? Very rude, actually. There's people in the queue behind you, and obviously I can't get to them if you're standing in front of the queue holding it up. You, you, at any point, you could have... T- listening back to that, I feel embarrassed. You could have I told me to, to, to jog on. I'm mortified. What did, I, I think they were right, though, not to serve Absolutely you in those situations. Absolutely they were. I said, I could, well done, thank you for being so firm with me. Mm. Uh, move, moving on uh, uh, swiftly. Uh, we've got a couple of texts here. Um, Janet says, whatever benefits mobile phones may have brought, they've led to a decline in good manners. People shove money at shop assistants, bus drivers, etc. Their phones are clamped to their ears and no please or thank you. You also hear someone's complete life story on a bus or a train journey. Some often do not need the benefit of the phone. They talk so loudly. You often just get people saying... Yeah, I'm on a train. <laughs> I'm on a train. I like hearing the life story. That's my favourite bit. Is, 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 is every, I'm, I'm genuinely fascinated about Nikki, who yeah. you were talking about then. Nikki, and is everything okay with Nikki? Yeah, she's sorted now. Okay, good. Okay, we'll talk about her off air. I'm missing. Uh, Louise says, whilst working at Waitrose a few years ago, I served a customer who did not get off her phone the whole time. It took me uh, the whole time. It took me to put her week shop through the till. Not only that, she told me to get on and do the packing too. <gasps> oh, how rude! Rude. When I told her to, uh, the price to pay still on the phone she told me i was incredibly rude to interrupt her she reported me and they took her side <laughs> <laughs> i left not long after that i hate customers on phones in shops well i think i think we've had lots of texts asking about nikki as well but nikki it was a case study she is fine now she's real well, jvs is the week. thank you for that sophie you went above and beyond today uh, jvs show is talking about this uh, on his show today have mobile phones made life better oh eight four five nine four double five five double five Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still problems on the trains. East Midlands trains and First Capital Connect delayed by up to 25 minutes from Luton to St Pancras. This is because of electrical supply problems at Kentish Town. 
and London Underground will accept your tickets once you get as far as London. Things looking quite busy on a few routes still. The M25 anti-clockwise is stop-start into the roadworks section coming toward Potter's Bar. It's also slow anti-clockwise from Watford to the M40. Delays on the A1 at the Black Cat roundabout. It's congested back to St Neots. The A1M looking heavy from Stevenage around Junction 8. The A1 then into London is busy at Stirling Corner. You've got queues on the A10 through Enfield from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road. The A404 heading into High Wycombe is looking pretty busy. And delays on the A41 as you come from Hemel Hempstead down toward the M25 at Kings Langley. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right. Well, I enjoyed that. I hope you did. Don't forget, you can go to iTunes or the BBC website and download the podcast of the best bits of this show. I'll be back tomorrow at six. JBS is up next. Always worth a listen. Until tomorrow, from me, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday morning. I'm on today's big phone-in. Have mobile phones made?